Hello and welcome to episode two of the Silent Cast for this season. Um, it's the prediction podcast, which is always one of the good ones, um, where we, we're going to go over pre-season and talk a little bit about the transfer market. Um, obviously, we've finally got a kit, and then we'll get to the fun bit. We've all got to make some predictions for the season ahead. Um, so welcome back, Glenn, and we've obviously got a, lo- a long list of stellar guests this week. So hi, Glenn, how are you doing? I'm okay. It's good to be back. Um, we obviously recorded our first podcast, didn't we, the season a, a few weeks back and said we'd probably be back after Telford, but um, there was really nothing to talk about after that Telford game, and then a lot of pre-seasons flown by with not much action from the games to talk about, Ollie. So figured we kind of combine the, the sort of prediction pod we normally do with a kind of round-up of pre-season, um, cover everything with, with the guests that we've got now. So, um, yeah, good to be back. And, um, yeah, Ollie, you're telling me you've got an ale with you tonight. You, you're quite like to have a drink on the predictions pods, which is probably, um, just thinking back about it, why we always make such crap pods on maybe you're drunk by the time we get around to that point uh, it's, this is always a fun pod it's a silly pod um, yeah making predictions yeah let's just see what happens but no I always like doing this one it's always at the end of the summer as well so in the summer it feels like the end of summer so I went on holiday about a month ago but yeah it's just the start of the summer really isn't it for most people the kids off yeah on all day next week missing the first game of the season so we shall discuss that later on um, but yeah we are joined by four guests uh, so we suppose we should introduce them um, well three guests sorry I should uh, say um, yeah so Chris Hudson first to join us tonight how are you my friend good thanks Glenn uh, pleased to be here again I always enjoy doing the prediction pod as well I think this is my third season doing this Good stuff, and you're normally the best predictor, I think, of everybody who's here tonight, so um, there's something something to build on. Um, Tom Griff from South Shropshire, Mr. South Shropshire. Egg boy, how are you? <laughs> Egg boy? <laughs> I'm all, I was, well, I was all right until then. <laughs> and how, how's your summer been, Tom? Uh, it's 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 been all right. It's been all right. I've not enjoyed the weather the last week. Too ginger for that. <laughs> Too enough. I think I think a lot of people would agree with you there, my friend. And um, yeah. and Dan Hoff, for, all the way from uh, sounds like London is on fire today. Lots of grass fires as usual um, in this weather. Dan, but um, I think you're surviving down there, are you? Just about getting through. Yeah, I'm just a bit to the west of London in in Berkshire. Um, always enjoy this pod, fellas, because every year I think that my predictions can't be as bad as the predictions I made last year. So um, my my bar is low, but it may even get lower. So yeah, let's let's see what the next uh, few minutes bring. Good stuff. And we are usually joined by my brother, Mike Price. We should put a shout out to him. Um, he was complaining on Twitter. He felt like he'd been dropped from the team. But as I'm away next week, we needed a, a guest to kind of help uh, cover the game next week. So uh, he's been bumped from uh, pre-season to uh, official episode. So uh, yeah, sorry about that, Mike. Um, so there we go. It's just us tonight, boys. And uh, yeah, Ollie, where do you want to start when we're talking about pre-season? Yeah, so let's talk about the Telford game. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, lot to talk about this one, to be honest. So, so just kind of just do a check, I think. Um, I know Tom went because I stood next to him. Me, you and, and Tom went to this one, I believe. I don't think you made the trip up, Dan. I most definitely did not, no. correct, Ollie. Yes, uh, I was not there. <laughs> yeah, and um, in, a, in, a, in a snapshot, Tom, how would you summarise this game? It was boring. Really, yeah. really boring. Yeah, nothing happened and... Telford are non-league, and and you know you go to you go and watch, and obviously you know it's pre-season stuff, but they are miles below Shrewsbury in terms of quality, just physically as well. Players are falling over and stuff. It was, yeah, Glenn. It wasn't um, the best spectacle, and we're going to start on a bit of a down here, but it's a bit a bit embarrassing. We didn't score a goal against Telford. Yeah, I mean, it sort of continues a bit of a theme from pre-season, doesn't it, about goal scoring and creativity that's carried over from last season. But um, I guess there is the the kind of argument, isn't there, that we're supposed to have already played one game out in Spain. Um, and we covered that controversy, didn't we, last week, Ollie? And so this was our first kind of game against anyone meaningful. And it was the uh, our 
archetypal pre-season friendly, wasn't it? Nil-nil, very few chances, really. Um, both sets of teams looking pretty rusty. Um, even then, we played Telford in that state before, and when we've been in that state, and we always tend to find a way past them, don't we, and score a couple of goals like we did last year. So, yeah, it felt a bit rubbish to not come out of there with a win like we usually do. Um, but, you know, what, what more could we expect, really? I think it was one of those ones where everyone was like, well, that was dull. But, uh, you know, it's pre-season. Everyone's trying to just get up to speed, I suppose. So you could forgive them on that one. It felt a little bit like the game at Hereford last season that I went to um, against a non-league team. There was nothing really going on. It was hot. There wasn't really much to uh, to, to write home at, really. Um, yeah, I, I, there wasn't wasn't too much on the pitch, really, that you could, could kind of take away from it, I suppose. No, so for those who, who didn't go and didn't know too much about this game, uh, yeah, we started with, I'd say, almost like the lesser side in some ways, didn't we? Starting with, mm-hmm. like, Pike um, at, like, ring back. I guess probably the only positive you could really take away um, was the young lad in midfield. I thought he played really well. Josh Barlow, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was him, wasn't it? I think, yeah. He's, he's been yeah. Like, got a few minutes in pre-season, hasn't he? And might be one to, to make a breakthrough this season. But, yeah, I suppose it's a first question, you know, because we've seen a lot of the man in pre-season, uh, talking about in the Telford game. But, I don't know, Chris, what what do you make? Um, I sat by you at the, the one of the next games we're going to talk about in a minute. But what do you make of Recall Pike now seeming to be, at least, you know, for the moment, second choice right wing back, right back? I think that comes down to just lack of options, doesn't it, Glenn, really? I'm... I'm sure we'll talk about the quality of the recruitment this summer, and on paper it looks pretty good, but we're still so thin on the back on the ground. And I was, I think I was talking to you at the last game, the Cardiff game, and we were saying, you look at that subs bench and we had for that game. We've got three players out injured at the minute, and suddenly there was only really two serious options on the bench, and one of those is Raquel Pike. So, you know, some people would argue one serious option on the bench. So we're a bit threadbare, and I think that's the reason that Raquel's still in the squad and still getting a sniff. And, you know, right wing back. To be fair to him. Who else have we got? We've got our, we've got Elliot Bennett out at the minute. So, yeah, DeCosta's clearly first choice and will presumably start on Saturday. But if anything happened to him, who comes in in that position? Uh, and, you know, you guess it's Raquel Pike suddenly. And he did all right. He did all right in a few minutes against Cardiff. That's not to say that I expect him to get many minutes this season. Indeed, you know, I'm not even sure he'll be here come the 1st of September. I'm sure there's a chance he'll still he'll move on if they can get any interest in him. Or who knows, if we can recruit two or three more, they might pay him off. But... You know, right now, while we've got so few options, you can understand why he's on the bench and you can understand why he's still involved. Yeah, fair. And, and you know, that was an interesting one, wasn't it? I suppose watching itself, he got those minutes at that position, Ollie. But, um, it's yeah, if, he plays, if Raquel Pike plays over 300 minutes this season, then that's not good. <laughs> no, we said that last year. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Come round again. But I don't know. Did I suppose I'll ask you next in a minute, Ollie? Because um, say not many of us went to this game. But I don't know, Tom. Did anyone else stand out to you on that first game uh, at Telford? You called it incredibly boring, but there was there was a few sort of half decent sort of showings from maybe the defensive players. Yeah, to be fair, I think I think more and Dunkley showed that they're decent players. But I mean, they were up against National League North players. Um, so they're, they're, Telford's only real standout player was their seven foot eight. Striker who was an absolute beast, he was he was massive, but they handled him well. I mean, they just you could tell they were just like not up to our level, sort of thing. But I mean, clearly not down the other end of the pitch. Yeah, only quite a nice physical battle for a first game for those two new centre backs and giving them something to sort of show the fans. And they, they did deal with that big guy pretty well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Dunkley looked class to be fair. Um, Dunkley for me really impressed, he looked good. Pennington, I thought, looked really lively. Um, he looked really good. Um, and Flanagan looked pretty good as well. They all looked fit. Um, I thought Moore probably was a bit rustier. I think he looked much better in the, in the Cardiff game, um, but that's kind of to be expected. And we'll come on a bit onto that with some manager comments, which I thought was quite interesting. But yeah, there was definitely a positive takeaway. Players look fit and trim. Um, I think, yeah, long gone are the time when the third level, player, third division players um, have a bit of timber on them. They're all looking um, very trim, um, looking ready for the new season. 
Yeah, I mean, there's not too much more to say. It was an incident after the game, wasn't there, um, where a, a Shrewsbury Town fan got beaten up by some Telford fans outside, which was not great to see. And it does kind yeah, of I was walking up. I was walking up it towards the um, well, where I parked my car. And, yeah, there was a few Telford lads walking in the street, clearly up some aggro. And the coppers just let them go. Didn't follow them, didn't track them or anything. And then, yeah, they beat up some young kid and looking for aggro. It's a bit strange that West... Um, yeah, was it West Mercia? Yeah, West Mercia Police just kind of let them go by. It was a bit strange. He's only 15, this kid. And I know someone who knows him and he got quite badly beaten up. So, as usual, Telford fans absolutely letting themselves down, the bunch of cretins that they are. But um, we only have to go there once a season, thank God. And um, usually this sort of thing doesn't happen. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyone... Any, <laughs> I have no other observations on this. No, game, let's Ollie. move on from Telford. <laughs> let's move on from Telford. And who... I think I think you and Chris went to the Burnley game. No, no. I think it was just Chris, wasn't it? I was, was it just Chris? Oh, um, Chris is our lone ranger then. What was, the, yeah. what was your takeaways from this game? Hot. It was just a really another hot evening. Uh, it wasn't a thrilling match to be honest, but we scored a corking goal. You know, if you want to talk Jordan Shipley, you know we were all excited about his signing in the middle of May when we brought him in, and he scored an absolute corker. And that was probably my one takeaway from the night. The rest of it was standard pre-season fare. Really, it was. Uh, we were better in the second half than the first. Knocked it about all right at times. Never really looked like doing much in terms of creating good goal-scoring chances, but. We got that one goal with a little moment of magic, which was nice to see. And I, I hope that's something we'll see a few times over the next few months. Yeah, Chris is the only, only person to have seen a goal in pre-season, which is fairly depressing to think about, isn't it? So, um, yeah, that was obviously the, the heat on, on the Burnley game. Um, uh, you know, I say we didn't observe it, did we, uh, uh, Ollie? And you can come to some of the comments from um, SS, uh, from Mr Cottrell across pre-season in a minute. But, um, yeah, then there was the last game, I suppose, just to wrap it up, which was the Cardiff game, which, if, if anything, was played in even hotter conditions, I think, Chris. Um, obviously, at the peak of that heat wave on the Tuesday, um, you know, they moved the game back to an 8 o'clock kickoff from a 7 o'clock kickoff because it was just absolutely roasting that day, wasn't it, around here? And I'm sure it was um, the same all around the country, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, probably a good idea, Chris, because, uh, say, me and you went to that one and it was it was sweltering, wasn't it, um, at the start of the game? I was unbelievable. I sat down in my seat right next to the press box and I felt like I was, I, I just, I was actually thinking, I don't know if I'm going to last this. And then they put that Tannery announcement saying we can all move behind the goal if we wanted to and... Yeah, I think a good half of the people who were in that stand took that opportunity, including us, and yeah, went and sat in the south stand instead, where mercifully we were in the shade, because, blimey, I felt for the players that night. It wasn't a thrilling game, I'm sure you'll come on to say that, but at the same time, I think the, the players deserve a little bit of an excuse for that, because they, they won't often play an evening game in temperatures approaching 35 degrees. No, and they put the effort in, Ollie. I would say about that game as well. Um, as much as we we didn't create too much, and it wasn't the most uh, attractive game to watch. Players like you know Ryan Bowman, um, considering his heart issues he had last season and the heat and stuff, he ran his socks off. To be honest with you, a lot of the players did. Um, obviously, we're missing a doe, which was a bit of a worry. I think people were thinking he's got a bit of a niggle, but I think it was more more a case of rotation. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought in general we applied ourselves against the Championship team pretty well. They we both had a really good chance right at the end, Chris, didn't we, to kind of both win the game? I think theirs was a slightly better one. Um, but I thought probably our standout player, Chris, I don't know if you'd agree with me, in that game was actually Morosi. I thought he played really well. Yeah, Marco Morosi, one terrific save in particular. Uh, Cottrell made a comment about that in the interview afterwards, didn't he, where he praised the save, but also slightly took the mickey out of the keeper for his kicking that night and said, you know, he's got to get that bit of it right as well. But he stood out on the night. He was he was one of a few. I mean, at the back, we look solid, don't we? We were defensively organised. That yep. was something we've got used to with Shrewsbury over the last few years. We looked good. We had Taylor Moore just in front of the defenders and the manager went on to talk about that later as well. That's something I think we're going to get used to seeing, Taylor Moore in that defensive midfield role. But yeah, we, we looked hard to break down. We looked difficult to score against. Uh, 
I suppose that's a positive. That's something we're used to seeing with Shrewsbury Town, frankly. Yeah, and Ollie, I'll come to you in a minute for your kind of conclusions on pre-season and some of the comments, but it's probably worth touching base with Dan, um, because obviously, Dan, it's not usually the thing you would do, which is travelling <laughs> travelling up to some uh, very early pre-season games, I suppose, when you live that, live that far away. And obviously, we last saw each other for the last away game of the season, didn't we, when we were we were in the sort of shooting town yeah. fans crash with all, with all the kids. But um, what you know, from afar, what have you made of pre-season, the way it's been organised, the games we've had, kind of where we're at now? Well, I find pre-season, at a sense, you know, in a way, sort of totally baffling. Um, I look at my Vets team here in, in Berkshire, and we play in the esteemed West London Vets League. We've got five pre-season games, Vince. Uh, um, uh, and I think that's about right for us. We play basically all the way through August and start in September. Yet Shrewsbury Town have three. I mean, four. Let's, let's assume there was going to be a game in Spain. But um, I, I, I don't know if this is Cottrell's genius and inverted commas in having fewer games and more time on the training field because as has been said the players by all accounts are fit they know it's not as if they're 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 lacking in um you know in terms of miles in the legs but but I I do wonder if if things like Dan Adoe he gets rotated out of the side so he won't have a proper game for two weeks um which strikes me as, as as, as something I just don't understand, really. I'd have thought that another couple of games, my instinct would say, would have to be good because if people get injured or need to be rotated, then you've just got more game time to play with. And yet, it's clearly Cottrell's way. We didn't have many pre-season games last year. It's clearly not an accident. He likes it this way. And I'm fine with it as long as we're not played six, won none, drawn one, lost five, like we were last year. And if I hear anything about lack of sharpness, then I'm not buying it. Because we set ourselves up to have a lack of sharpness. Unless, of course, there's, there's more genius going on on the training field than I perhaps give, give the, the, the town backroom staff credit for. So I just don't really get it, if I'm being honest with you, Glyn. Why play so few games? Why get so much, uh, give yourself so, so little chance to yeah. get up to speed with, with real-time action? And maybe there's an answer, but I'm not sure I know what it is. I think Ollie, it's a fair point. You can take that on because we've talked about this, haven't we? About how you know there's a fair. It's a fair to you know have those concerns that Dan just expressed because it very much follows the pattern of last season. Three games, all right. Well, at least we played some at home this year. That's a bit of a bonus. Um, but you know, there's it, it, nothing really changed from the setup to last season, and then we went into that historically bad start. So I suppose you know you you can wonder if there's a connection there. I think it's fair for fans to to be a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, well, just just first of all, worth saying that Doe was had a bit of a niggle, so that's why he didn't play in this game. So he was kind of a bit of a precaution. But it sort of fits in though, Ollie, doesn't it? That because if you have a bit of a niggle, then that's two weeks without any game time. Yeah, and I, and I just think you, you've got no room for people to have a bit of a niggle because you've only got hundred and or two hundred and seventy minutes to play with. Yeah, for me, there's two big things about pre-season under Cottrell, or three things really. One is he's obsessed, like fanatical about running. It seems. Um, which is a bit of an old-school approach. Secondly, we don't play very many games at all, so he, he concedes that players don't seem to know each other on the pitch, which for me seems a bit odd, an odd thing to say, to concede. And then finally, you know, you're watching the Cardiff game. I don't know about the Burnley game, I didn't see that one. You're watching the Cardiff game, and you're, and you're seeing, you can see Cardiff's style of play. You can see what they're trying to do. You can see the angles, you can see the tacks, you can see the patterns. When you're watching Shrewsbury, Chris, what can you see? For me, I couldn't see anything. It was just see players trying to find each other. And I'm just really, really concerned that we're going into a season again where our team is not tactically and, and ready to play football matches. We might be fit enough, but we're not ready to play League One football matches. And we all remember what a terrible, terrible start to the season we had last year. 
Yeah, we're very much old school, aren't we, in the way we approach things. Like you said, the manager's quite an old school manager. He likes to do things a certain way. I mean, I don't think it's an accident, obviously. We've only had the three games last year. And as Glyn said, we only have three games last... Uh, so we've only had the three games this season and it was the same last time as well. So that's obviously by design rather than by accident. He doesn't like a lot of pre-season friendlies, but the start we had last year makes it very, very worrying. I would have certainly liked one or two more. You know, we, and we've already picked up two or three injuries and you, you just worry about the options we've got there. We haven't had a chance to try different things out. So yeah, I just I, I hope Cottrell knows what he's doing. I hope last year was a blip and we make a better start. But it's worrying. You know, I've heard people say he's a bit of a dinosaur. I said that to my son, actually, and my son was very specific. He said he's a pachycephalosaurus. So there you go. Steve Cottrell's a pachycephalosaurus, people, and that's according to my seven-year-old son. You can't argue with it. I bet he's been called many things in his life, Chris, but probably, almost certainly, never that. I say that's a first, but that was, that was my discussion preparing for this pod with my son today. I was like, so I say, you know, he's a bit old-fashioned, some people say, Thomas. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, well, you know, he's, he's a bit of a dinosaur in his approach. So Thomas corrected me and said, yeah, Pachycephalosaurus. There you go. Thanks. Sorry, Steve, but that's the opinion of Thomas. I am. I, I sat next to Thomas at the Cardiff game, um, and he is one of the most uh, excitable Shoestown fans I've ever met. He does not stop talking about the football he's there, Chris, did he? And it's quite an endearing uh, quality. He's like my two when they were a little bit younger as well. But we should definitely try and get him on the podcast this season, Ollie. He, he knows his football, for, to be fair, for his age, Chris. So you, you're doing well with him at the moment. But, um... He's got an opinion on everything. You're right. He, he doesn't stop talking. And, uh, it, but yeah, it's great. It's, been, it's made football more fun for me. And when Shrewsbury were getting stuffed week in, week out last season, Having him with me made it a little bit more bearable. So, yeah, I'm hoping you'll keep me saying this season as well. I say, Ollie, you want to go through some of Steve's comments, don't you? But, you know, Tom, you've only been to one game this season and it was the pre-season game so far, the nil at Telford. So I'm not sure what you've really made of pre-season in general. You've kind of heard heard our comments there about, um, you know, not many games. But I suppose, you know, the, the, the question back from that is that, you know, how many games can you have when you've got a small squad like we've got? Well, yeah, and I was just thinking, like, training in this heat must be hard as well. Also, I mean, you, especially we played game Cardiff uh, to Tuesday night against Cardiff. That was ridiculous temperature. That, I mean, that's going to take a lot out of the players anyway. So I mean, if anything's going to build fitness up, it'll be you know training this sort of heat. You definitely wouldn't want to play too many more games. Um, was there an inter-squad friendly in the end? I, f- I felt like that was yeah, registered in for the end of last week or something. Yeah, there was mentioned from Lewis Cox, wasn't there? It should have been Friday or or or, or yesterday. And whether it happened or not, we don't know. But yeah, there was a rumours of that. Everyone was perplexed where you get 22 players from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, all I know is that I bought, I was going to say, I bought tickets for three pre-season friendly games. I went to one. It was a waste of money. I probably won't bother with it next time. Oh, well, there we go. That's, that's kind of pre-season summed up pretty well, Tom. But um, yeah, Ollie, go on. Uh, before we move on to kind of transfer market and what, what we've got and where we might need some still some recruitments, what you know, you've been sort of reading through um, Cottrell's comments, haven't you? A little bit more than me. I've been mega busy with work, so Ollie's been doing the heavy lifting the last couple of weeks, I'd say. Um, but yeah, you've, you've gone through some of his um, some of his comments, and he also did quite a long interview, didn't he? Which you've been sort of having a pour through. Yeah, Glenn. So there was. Obviously, almost radio silence, really. There was no interview with the manager when he was in Spain or any player, which was a bit odd. And then, obviously, we had, like, what, one minute after Telford, and then the manager did 10 minutes um, after the Burnley game and 20 minutes after the Cardiff game. So a few interesting things. So he talks about how the, the, the new lads have stepped behind the players that here last season because they didn't have a summer plan. So they've got a bit to catch up on. Um, then in terms of injuries, he did share quite a bit. So Bennett um, had an ankle injury. He had that at the end of last season. The consultant recommended he basically just rest and then just do normal training and hopefully should calm down. 
that hasn't seemed to have worked so he's had his ankle flushed um, on the start of last week so fingers crossed he'll be back soon um, O'Brien is suffering from no no summer program and pushing coming back and pushing hard he's got a tight groin um, and a doe as well um, has uh, an issue with like somewhere not near his hip um, so he can't play at the moment they were tempted to play him um, but they thought it's best not to it's not really worth the risk so a few injury players there um, and then he was talking about transfers he said that basically they're waiting on one but it's not critical and all the critical work has been done but as you guys have been alluding to the squad is the squad is still really short so that would be um, a bit of a concern for me of running being one player but I always take everything the manager says to the media for a huge bucket of salt so let's see what happens there mm. um, and then he was talking about after the Cardiff game he thought the lads did really well um, especially as they brought Cardiff brought on a whole new team in the second half um, where obviously Shrewsbury Town basically played out basically the same players, we, which is really odd actually. We brought on was it Charlie Caton and another lad at eighty-eight minutes in a pre-season yeah, one, in, one in injury time and one in injury time. I just don't get that at all. I don't see how that kind of yeah wins your friends and, and gets the players really excited when you bring them on for thirty seconds of a pre-season game. It's a bit odd. Um, and then he then he would start talking about more about how more has been signed as a central midfielder that's where he'll play so he can play two positions but he's brought him in as a central midfielder he thinks there's a lot of potential of him there so that's going to be his place um, and then he talks about that basically all the free transfers are gone now so we'll probably have to loan players or maybe buy someone um, if we're going to sign any more players and then he was talking about the squad um, and the squad he said basically we haven't really spent much money at all um, so a few a few few interesting comments there Glenn um, but not uh, nothing um, groundbreaking um, or anything too surprising. Mm. Ollie, can I ask a question there? Yeah. I mean, you, you, I find it really interesting when, when he says that the new players are a step behind because they haven't had a summer plan. Now, but maybe I'm just more cynical than I think I am, but wasn't their plan to be a professional footballer come August? Yeah. And if that's the case, now I, I totally understand there are nuances, there are different ways that teams play, there are system questions, but they're all going to be fit as fiddles, right? And they're going to make sure that they're fit as fiddles. So why are they a step behind? What are they not doing that our lads have been doing? Is it, but is it, I'll twist it, turn it around. What are the expectations? What's the, yeah, exactly, Glenn. What's the expectations? I think Cottrell was obsessed with fitness and I thought it was a huge detriment to our start of last season. You know, we didn't score a goal for the first 10% of last season and I fear that his level of expectations for fitness is just really, really high. Now, So they're not really behind, they're just not quite as mega yeah, exactly. fit as he wants them. Yeah, that, Which is, sounds like an it. excuse in the making, no? Yeah, it is. It's, I find the, the obsession with fitness and you know, you hear about... You know, if, if you're you know if you're really into football, you hear about you know different managers and you talk about pre-season and you hear about you know we don't just do running anymore, we get the balls out and all that kind of stuff. So I just find it a bit odd that we are so obsessed with fitness. And yes, but did last season did you think we were markedly fitter than other teams? You know, most of you guys on this call saw at least twenty, thirty games last year. Well, that was my next question. I thought we were fitter than the year before. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't. Don't think we were noticeably fitter than, than most teams. We weren't behind them, but they're, they're professional footballers. They should yeah. all be as fit as fiddles, and they are as a rule. No, exactly. It's not like the the players these days go and smash ten pints a day um, when they're in, on their summer. They they always keep themselves in good nick. So yeah, I, I find I don't know whether it's just something that Cottrell just loves to chat about, where he's really passionate about, it, or whether it's just a filler for him because it gets him talking for a few minutes and doesn't have to talk about tactics or signings. 
We should we shouldn't talk about players drinking ten pints a day in the old days because I feel like that's an in the stiffs uh, you know thing now. That's that's one of their that's where they have all their good stories. Maybe we're treading on toes nowadays, Ollie. Um, but no, in all seriousness, we look fit in these preseason games. You can't really argue with that. But I think it is about it, about Cottrell's expectations of of that higher level of, of maybe what footballers might be expected. And you know we started poorly last season because he probably beasted them during preseason. But we also finished last season really poor, eight points from the last whatever it was, thirty odd. Um, and you know maybe maybe at that point they're they're spent as well towards the end. Of Season. So it is a risky tactic, I suppose, but proof will be in the pudding, um, I guess, in terms of that sort of thing. Um, I was going to ask Dan actually a question before we started talking about Bennett, but um, maybe someone else can answer it. But last time you came on, Dan, you were talking about all the injuries you've had playing football and you still play vets football now. But have you ever had an ankle flushed? That doesn't sound much fun. I haven't. I don't really want to either. It sounded horrific, didn't it? Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I do do wonder that about the number of injuries that we pick up. And this isn't actually criticism because when you have a small squad, it feels like the injuries mean more, right? And so it feels like a little knock, whatever that little knock might be, is just going to have a bigger impact. And I mean, we know Cottrell likes his small squads and he has done well at times. The Bristol City experience tells us that. So I'm desperately trying not to be too critical of the small squad thing because it's just the way it is. And he, he has periodically done well with it. But boy, do those injuries make an impact when they happen because we haven't got so many folks to potentially bring in. Yeah, I'm still really concerned about the size of the squad. You've got, if you say more central midfielder, that means we've only really got three centre-backs. We've probably really only got one left, left back, left wing back. Midfield is weak as well. So, yeah, if we get a few injuries, especially now that we've got five subs, and Chris, I imagine, I, I, I don't see how we're going to be able to compete against teams, not even big teams in League One, other teams in League One where you can make five subs. Can you see us making five subs in a game, Chris? Well, absolutely not. Who would they be right now? I think I said that a little bit earlier on. If you based on if you assume that for Morecambe on Saturday, Bennett's still recovering from that ankle up. Aidan O'Brien's probably not going to be ready. Uh, who else have we got out at the minute? There's a couple. You know, Daniel Udo struggling a little bit. Th- theoretically, on the bench, you could be basically looking at Tom Bloxham and Real Raquel Pike as the only senior pros and a bunch of kids. So yeah, Bloxham's an option. But that's about it, isn't it? So really, you can only see one substitute there who can actually influence the game for us. So can I see us making five? No, I can't even see us making three right now, frankly. Chris, I think that's right. But I, but I think there's a caveat on this one. The, the, the five subs thing really makes a difference when you've got a squad the size of Man City. And, and, and no League One side is going to be able to bring in five players that are all going to improve to start in 11. I think a lot of clubs will actually be in a similar a position to us. A really? Few. Do you think, Ollie? Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, um, maybe at a push, um, Peterborough. Um, but they'll get but, injuries but, but, and suspensions too. I, I'd yeah, be quite yeah. surprised if their bench is as strong as we fear, being honest. I, I, I get your point. In, in the main, I, I agree with you. I think at League One level, five subs for me is crazy anyway, whatever level They'll it is. still have five sets of fresh legs to bring on in the 80th minute where we'll only bring one set of fresh legs. Well, and there. also, there's a difference, isn't there, between having someone who's first team ready, who can come on. We've got subs who have managed got no intention of bringing on. And I think I think a lot of the, I think most teams in division will have players that are prepared to bring on. We seem to have players that are not allowed to come on. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's Quattro for you, though, isn't it? That's the way it works. <laughs> I do think the change is wrong. I, I think the change to five subs is just wrong, and I think it's it's not just unfair on. It's, it's, it, it favours the bigger teams, doesn't it? People have said that in the Premier League, but it's the same in our league. It encourages clubs to stockpile players and have these huge ranges of options at their disposal. 
club like Shrewsbury can't maybe afford to do that and it's not just us you know I'm sure that the likes of Cambridge and Accrington Stanley are sitting out there and shaking their head at it as well because it's, it's a, you know Sheffield Wednesday have been pretty busy in the transfer market this summer I think uh, I think Ipswich have we're seeing Derby County since they had their embargo lifted chucking money around left right and centre on wages and these clubs can afford to run big squads and therefore give themselves more options and this rule change just means that those big squads will be even more beneficial to them so you'd want them to level the playing field up in the division and instead it feels to me like they're just stretching it and making it even harder for somebody like us to aspire to promotion yeah. Was there the That's same discussion when it went from like one sub to three subs? It was before my time in football. That was. Yeah, it was. Well, it went from one to two it first. It was two when I first started going. Oh, it was okay. Two subs, and that was yeah, it was controversial. The things I remember my dad moaning about this when one sub was brought in. I'm not old enough to remember the days when one sub was brought in, but he, he always used to say it was just unfair. You know, you should have your best eleven on the pitch. So I sense there's always going to be people who don't like the principle of increasing the numbers. But I, I, I am with Chris. I get it. You know, what, why you need five is a little bit beyond me. It's like rug, why rugby union has 150 subs or whatever they do. I just don't think you need it. You're changing the game, and um, the game doesn't need changing in that way. For me, it's an interesting one because, like, when you when you talk about small squads and you talk about these additional need for substitutions. It's somehow we've ended up, you know, a few days before the start of the season, having let five professional footballers go, if you will, not including sort of the young lads. Uh, sorry, six six lads go, and only bringing six in. You know, we've replaced Josh Daniels, Dave Davis, Ethan Ebanks, Landell, Aaron Pierre, Josh Vella, and Sean Wally as the six players that have gone out with Shipley, Bayliss, O'Brien, Dunkley, DeCosta, and more. You know, we haven't increased that squad since the end of last season, which was something that, you know, was something that hung around our neck all, all last year, really, and was one of the reasons we underperformed. And I don't know, Tom, when you look at that on, on a face value now, you know, six in, six out, it doesn't quite feel like we've, we've done enough, does it, so far? Yeah, we, there's still there's still more to be done there, but I'd still say that man for man, we have improved on the six that went out. You see what I mean? Yes. But it's, it's just... I feel like we... we without saying we need squad players, we just need that bit of people that are happy to be on the bench, that are willing to come on for 10 minutes, that you know will chuck in an effort at the end of the game. But, like, I don't know. It's, I still reckon we're three short, at least. It is interesting, isn't it, Ollie? You know, that, that that was six for six so far. I think, you know, just looking at numbers. I would agree with Tom that the quality seems to be more, although the, 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 the proof of that will come out, I suppose, as we go on. Yeah. But certainly on first view, they've, they've looked decent enough, haven't they? But, um, you know, it certainly still feels short, doesn't it? That was on the agenda, wasn't it, in, in terms yeah. of what you still think we need, Ollie? Yeah, I think I think I totally agree with everything everyone's saying about squad size. Um, yeah, six in, six out, clearly it's a good way of putting it. And we all struggled and we were all really frustrated last season with not enough players. I'd expect us, I'd love us to sign another centre-back, um, a left wing-back, a central midfielder, number 10, and another striker. That would be preferred. And then we'd have a really good, really good squad, a lot of depth. The manager says he wants to bring in one player. And I think it was maybe even an extra player as well, the two, but one it was this kind of the headlines that Lewis was going Lewis Cox was going with. One for me is just just not enough. And, you know, remember last season when, when Josh Feller got injured and a few other injuries, we were really panicking. One sign in now would be too short. I, I don't know, Dan, how many do you think we would need to if you if you had the choice or you could advise the manager how many players would you like to see come in? Well, I think the six in, six out makes sense, but we've also got time to bring in players now. And one would assume that loanees are still going to be in discussion somewhere. And, and they always tend to pop up quite late. So I, I'm not totally convinced I buy Cottrell's argument that he's only looking at one. I think there's probably more irons in the fire, but he doesn't want to stoke up expectations. Um, how many more do we need? Well, what I would like, what Cottrell like, are not going to be the same thing. That, that, that's the bottom line. He doesn't want too many more. 
Um, but I do think an extra three w- would give us a little bit more wriggle room if things really do go wrong. But we're just not going to get them, fellas. We're going to have to deal with what we've got, plus one, maybe two more, if the loan market throws up any goodies. So it's, it's not just six in, six out, though, is it? It's actually, really, it's six in, eight out. Because if you're including the loans coming in, then I think you've got to include Jana going out and you've got to include Fauna going out yeah, as well. True. So. In many ways, I and mean, well, in, the fact is the squad's smaller right now. The fact that the squad at the end of the season, from that squad, we've lost eight players and we've brought six in. So you'd like to think there's, you know, there's room in our squad for I think another three loans, aren't there, or is it another four loans? So hopefully he'll use at least two or three of those slots, and, the, and that's not part of the budget, as it were, when he says there's only one to come. But yeah, right now, in terms of numbers, we're thinner than last season. And Ollie, it's interesting, we talk about players going out, two players that have sort of flown under the radar, and it's probably worth just us reflecting on that quickly as it's part of what's gone on this summer, are Ben Crompton and Callum Wilson, who were two kind of highly regarded youth prospects that we had, um, that we offered six-month deals to, um, and they've decided to try their luck elsewhere, and have both ended up at the same club, and have signed for Sunderland this week, and um, I think Callum Wilson... I think he got a couple of appearances for Shrewsbury. I don't think Ben Crompton ever got uh, any more than being involved in a, in a sort of um, Johnson's paint trophy, pizza trophy game I think he was involved in. But um, yeah, an interesting one. See two youth prospects go to what was the sort of shadow under-18 squad at Sunderland rather than you know taking a six-month deal here. Although a six-month deal was a bit crap, wasn't it? Yeah, six months Clearly, is... Cottrell doesn't really like youth players. but Yeah, six months is... I don't know. Is that, is that an insult? Six months? What's six months worth to anyone? Really? It doesn't give them any kind of... It doesn't give you much time, does it? I think 12 months is the minimum, really, for especially for a kid. Um, and yeah, it, so it definitely you... sounds weird, Ollie. I, I think yeah. we should be quite clear on that. I'm not, I'm not at all surprised, if they've got anything about them, that they said that it's, it's just taking the piss, to use, to use you know, technical language. And, and uh, it's another one of those things I don't really get. Maybe there is a good reason for offering six-month contracts, but I don't know what it is. The thing is because then we actually get some money because we've technically offered them a deal and we get compensation. We don't really want them to sign, so we offer them a crap six-month deal. And yeah, now Sunderland yeah. have to give us some money. It's their under-21 or under-23 development squad or something I think they referred to it as. Um, yeah. So yeah, that Callum was, Wilson. Yeah, Callum Wilson's supposed oh, to be good. He, he played for Northern Ireland, Irish, didn't he? Into, yeah. yeah, Northern Ireland, yeah. And so he's got a bit of something about him. So it's just a shame that, you know, clearly a lad with some talent there somehow unlike maybe Bevan and, and some of the other lads that have come through, we weren't able to kind of get him through that, that process and on that on that conveyor belt, really, because that's what town fans like to see, isn't it? So it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity with, with at least one of them in that Callum Wilson and, and what I've been reading about him. But um, who knows? It's still a long way for them to go to make full professional careers out of where they are at the moment. And um, you've got to kind of, kind of wish them the best, don't you? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I said what I think. Um, Tom, what would you like to see as sign? Well, that's a good question. Um, I still think we're short in midfield. I still feel, do we need a number 10 still? Or are we going to just rely on Udo dropping back for that now? Oh, shit, well, shit, I suppose might go up there, wouldn't he? Um, mm. But yeah, other than that, I don't uh, you, you Trying to look at the, your little squad depth sheet now. Um, I just, I think you just need support in areas. Just, you know, like we've got four, you'd say, centre-backs. Well, one gets injured. One gets tied by 80 minutes into a game. You're going to need somebody to come on. That's going to end up being um, the kid, uh, whatever his name is. Um, uh, what was his Craig. Name? Craig. Yeah. And, like, is, he, is he anywhere near League One ready? Has anybody got any clue about what sort of uh, level the kids are at the moment? I don't <laughs> know. It's going to be needed. Yeah. I'd, and may, maybe that is the answer. Maybe it's Barlow and Craig are going to play, you know, 300, 400 minutes. 
I mean, they're rated all. There's, there's obviously a bit of something about them that they've, they've kind of given them the chance now to make the step up. It's funny, I was um, doing the new U-team uh, statistics for Football Manager because I think it was a couple of weeks ago they announced the um, announced the players that are coming into the under-18s this season, which we haven't had for a few seasons, but um, they did a tweet about it and it had like the names names on there. We obviously know nothing about these lads. A lot of them come from... It's, it's interesting. A lot of the time we used to get youth lads coming from the local area and kind of working their way through the process. I've noticed in the last five to eight years, really, that a lot of the time now we're getting lads who've not made it at a Wolves or a Leicester or a, um, you know, a, another kind of higher club through their sort of um, you know youth system. I've seen the writing on the wall that they need to step down at a bit of an early stage and then come and have a go at it at Shrewsbury. But it's fascinating looking at some of the names. We've got a Vlad in, in the youth team this season, which I find fascinating. I can't imagine there's been a Vlad's ever played for Shrewsbury Town, so I'm hoping he... <laughs> I'm hoping he comes through and does well. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Maybe there is going to be more opportunities for youth this season. We certainly haven't seen it too much other than blocks, have we? But I'm not against it. If they're good enough and, and you know, we can get them to be the next Dave Edwards or the next Joe Hart, then why not? I, I love to see youth lads coming through. So um, maybe that's where Cottrell will go. Um, it's, it's to be seen, isn't it, over the next few weeks? While you're talking about that, Vlad, um, Glyn, he's got a magnificent second name, isn't he? Vlad Paternoster. He the most famous set of lifts in the world. If you don't know what a Paternoster is. That's why Glyn didn't is, say his surname. Uh, yeah, Google that, them. folks, if you know what paternosters are. They are brilliant. So I hope he makes it because that's a name to remember. Yeah, there's, some, there's also a Beckles in the youth team now. It's as a Beckles well, and a Warner as well. So yeah, two yeah, names that people not, picked up. Not related, but um, <laughs> but yeah, Ollie, it's um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Cottrell does, as we just said. But um, I don't know, Chris. You know, what, we had a bit of a chat, didn't we, at the Cardiff game about what you'd kind of like to see us bring in? Um, I think you talked about sort of the left back position, but is that kind of where you think our focus should be over the next few weeks? Yeah, I still think we need probably three. I'd like to see us get at least three more bodies. And yeah, a key one for me would definitely be left wing back. You know, we're playing George Nurse there. there is, he's got absolutely no competition in that position. And I don't even think it's his best position. You know, to me, George Nurse is probably a left centre back. He played pretty well there last season, played his best football there. You know, he's solid at left wing back. He won't let us down. He'll do his best. But equally, he's not a marauding attacking type, isn't he? He doesn't, get, he doesn't give us what Bennett or from what we've seen to Costa might give us on the other side of the pitch. So I'd really like to see another option there. I suppose, you know, you've got Luke Leahy who can play there, but he's established himself in midfield now. And it's been clear in pre-season that that's where the manager wants to keep him. So, yeah, we definitely need a left wing back for me. Probably need more midfield options, which are short. I just don't think we've got enough of them. We've, I like the ones he's brought in. I think Bayliss looks great. I think Shipley looks great. We've obviously got Leahy, who I just mentioned. But that's it for senior midfielders. After that, you're looking at Josh Barlow. Uh, oh, sorry, Taylor Moore. I forget that Taylor Moore is now a midfielder. But probably one more in there as well would be good. And then up front, I just think there's a lot of pressure on Dan Udo to score all our goals this season because you don't see who else at the moment is going to be prolific. Uh, you know, Aidan O'Brien looks an exciting signing, but his track record tells you he's not a prolific goal scorer. So I'd like another option in there who can maybe give us take some of that pressure off Daniel Udo and give us another option as a, as a goal scorer. It's, that's fascinating to me, Chris, because like compared to normal, we're actually going to carry four professional footballers who are strikers into the season, which we probably haven't had for quite a while. You know, you've got um, Ado and, and Bowman, obviously, maybe as your front two. Um, O'Brien, as you mentioned, we don't know, but it's clearly got a pedigree, and then blocks them to back them up. It, I don't know. I don't know if anyone disagrees with it. Does, does taking five strikers in on, on a reasonable a wage seem a bit? You are forgetting what? Pike. You are forgetting Pike. Well, Pike is a striker. <laughs> True. He's more of a striker um, than a right wing back. He's more of a goalkeeper than. Don't a right disrespect wing back. the man. Does, but do you not feel like you know? I, I I agree, Chris. I quite like you know. I, I think that there's probably more quality you could add up front as well. But I don't know. I'm not sure. Based on what Cottrell likes to do and probably our finances, Ollie. I, you know, can we carry another striker with pedigree on top of what we've got? It seems odd. Bloxham would be frozen. I can imagine then. 
It is. It's quite a few, I guess. I guess it depends where you play, O'Brien. Depends what formation you play. Um, I mm. still think we need someone else. Like Bowman did all right last season. He didn't really excel. Um, I thought Ado really outperformed him um, in terms of in terms of goals. He scored more goals than him. But also, I think in terms of his, his link-up play and all-round game is more than Bowman. So I'd like us to sign another striker. I guess it, a lot of it hinge on how how important and how key is Bloxham going to be. Um, I think that's a big question mark for the season in a positive light. Yeah, it's almost the. Can I just come in there, fellas? I think striker. The, I think the left wing back position actually, it's interesting discussion because it, it it shows a lot about the way that Cottrell thinks, right? Because I don't think he sees it that way at all. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If if twenty twenty two's version of Tommy Lynch appears, I want him. And I want him now. He'd be brilliant there. But for Cottrell, he's going to say, well, I want Lee to play in the middle of the park. But if I need to, I'll shift him across. And we've only had 270 minutes of pre-season. So he's not had a lot of time to do much shifting at all. So I do think for Cottrell, this is quite simple. Lee is his number two. And he'll move over there as and when he's necessary. And if both of them are out injured, well, then we have an issue. But he probably won't assume that they will be. So for him, the fact that lots of players can play in lots of roles. I mean, Bennett, he clearly sees Bennett as being able to play in the centre of the park. And he hasn't got a mention there as a central midfielder. And I sort of get it. I don't really see him as a central midfielder now. I see him as a right wing back. But I think Cottrell genuinely sees every player he has as playing in two different positions. And his in his head, it's going to be um, switching and, and, and mixing and matching good players who are versatile into the right slot. Just to stress... That wouldn't stop me trying to get an extra person in on the left. But I don't think Kotcher will see it as nearly as problematic as we do. No, he won't. But I think, this, mm. for me, Nurse, Nurse is a, Nurse is a good good at playing left centre back. And I think Nurse's best position is playing left back in a, in a flat back four. I think that's his best position. Is he dynamic enough? Can he go past a man? We're basically missing a better replacement, aren't we? Someone who can dribble and cause a threat. Nurse is a really good cross for the ball. No, he's he's a very talented player, but I just think we need a little bit more pace and a bit more dynamism on that left hand side, um, and I don't think either Nurse or Lee offer that, uh, and that's why I agree with Chris. I think left wing back is 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 important. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Um, I think the better one is is an interesting one. I better couldn't defend. You know, Obeta was brilliant going down the wing, crossing the ball in at Anfield and in other similar situations. And he's got a goal in him. But I don't actually think Obeta saw himself as a left wing back. It's just it's just that he dropped into our side. So I do see it, but I also think it's quite easy to to, to, to think of other people. I mentioned Tommy Lynch, but um, you know, think of other people who don't who, who don't quite fit the role that Cottrell wanted for them anyway. And and Obeta was definitely one of those. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I just I guess yeah, we, that's the trouble with wing back is it's such a hard position to recruit for. You need to be a really really solid defender, and also very fit and athletic, and be really good at going forward. So it is a very very difficult position to, to fill. But I think a bit of a I think last season I think you know when we had Ogbetta I thought we we were a little bit too left centric when we attacked. I fear maybe with De Costa maybe we're a bit a bit more right centric this year, and I like the balance. Well, better might be available again soon, reading what's going on down in Swansea, Ollie. So, um, no chance of him come back here, here I would imagine, considering uh, the reported uh, rumours of his agent's shenanigans over the last uh, year and a half. So, um, yeah, I think he might be loaned out to League One again. I don't think he's going to get much of a chance at Swansea from what I was reading, but oh, it's a shame. Um, 
there we go, transfer market. I think we've all had a bit of a say on that one, haven't we? Um, which brings us to the next thing, um, which I'll try not to labour with my uh, obsession with it, but um, we finally have a kit, boys. Um, just the one. Uh, well, two if you count the red thing we played in, um, which was odd. Um, we played in a red kit for that last uh, pre-season home game, which is strange to be playing at home in red, isn't it? And um, Yeah, but we've obviously got our, our home kit announced um, for pre-order starting um, on Monday, tomorrow for us um, and then yeah picking up I think in, in mid-August after the first two games of the season so my, my initial reflections were, were quite good it's blue and amber stripes it could have done anything you could have had any design as long as it was blue and amber stripes I would have been pretty happy but um, I don't know what are your reflections start with Chris first I suppose in terms of the overall look of the kit and, and any kind of niggles you have with it it's alright uh, the blur effect's a bit weird for me but yeah it's, it's better than last year's thing isn't it it's nice to get rid of the yellow it's a prop, proper amber kit again uh Looks all right. I'm not. I'm not as big a fan of the stripes as you are, Glenn. You know this thing about club history. You can talk about history all day long, but our club's history is blue. The one constant through our club's history is a blue shirt. And for me, I'd like to see a blue shirt with amber trim. And I'll, I will keep banging the drum for that and hope that one day I'll get that back again as well. Because we've had some corking blue strips over the years, and I'm a bit fed up with the stripes now. But I know that on this podcast, I'm probably in a minority of one, possibly two. So I, I will take that on the chin and accept it. But yeah, I think somebody on Twitter was saying that next season marks 30 years since we got promoted in 93-4. And I thought, that's a good point. And he said that, you know, wouldn't it be great to revive that kit? So it's been a fashion this year for clubs to have a modern interpretation of an old classic. So maybe I'll be, I'll be banging the drum for a modern interpretation of the 93-4 kit next season, Glenn. And I'm sure you'd hate it, but I'd love it. But in terms of what do I think of this year's strip, it's all right. Yeah, I'd allow it for a one-off season. You know, that's fine. Um, we had obviously had the was it 125th anniversary kit, the blue and white one that um, we had for that one season, didn't we? When we first moved to the new we meadow. Did. So yeah, you know, you can have an anniversary kit every now and again, Chris. I'm I'm a, I'm a generous guy. I allow that. Um, don't know. <laughs> what about you, Dan? What did you make of it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay. Um, I, I like the fact it's amber. Um, that, that, that's the key thing. I mean, as long I, I don't, I'm not Start a kit fetishist. Yeah, but I think our colours are blue and amber in some sort of mix, and, and we've got that. Um, I was possibly the only person who saw that red kit and thought of 1982. Chris, maybe you were there. 6th of March 1982, FA Cup quarter final. We played in red when we played Leicester in one of my most memorable Shrewsbury Town games ever. I may well have been in a minority of a dozen or so people who thought that, but I, I remember that game for red kit, so I quite liked it as a one-off. But I'm Can I just be it. offended, Dan? March 1982, I was five years old and oh. no, I was not there. So I'm just going to throw out there that you're ageing me a little bit. I'm on my own on this one. Anyway, Google it, folks. We played in red that day, so that was good. But but yes, the kit, I've seen the pictures. I know what you yeah. mean. It, it does look like that kit. Yeah, the thing is, would I buy it for my kids? Um, yeah, I would. I think it looks all right. I think I, I, it can be identified as Shrewsbury Town. And where I live, that's quite important. You know, that's one of the reasons I like them to wear the kit. And, and if we're playing in a kit that the colours are nondescript or it could be any other team in the country, then I'm not so keen on it. So I like it for that reason. It, it definitely says Shrewsbury, even if I'm not that fussed with the details. My kids liked it as well. They, they give it the thumbs up and they'll be getting a pre-order this week, which is good because this is the fundamental thing about trying to get these kits out earlier and get it all organised. We can talk about the whys and wherefores of why that didn't happen, but you know you are losing money if you can't get these things done efficiently. But um, yeah, yeah, my, my two liked it as well, so um, that was good. Just on red kits, I, I wouldn't object to red kits either. You know, I remember back to the, um, I think I've, I've got a red Dave Edwards kit from the sort of, I think it was the last season he, he played for us, uh, or it was the season after we came back up from the conference, we had a red away kit, didn't we? So not, I'm not against red kits. I just think us playing at home in it was a bit weird. 
weird and saying it was a temporary kit. Um, I don't know. But there are rumours that might be our away kit or our third kit, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one, um, which I wouldn't I say wouldn't be totally against, to be honest with you. What does the, the, the South Shropshire uh, jury make of the kit, Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm not against it at all. Um, people have been saying about the collar being weird, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm a, bar that, I think it's you know it's it's blue and amber. What more do we want? <laughs> mm. uh, when was the last yeah, time we had a kit that wasn't striped? Now is it sort of the last of the greenhouse ones? That must be ten years ago. We had that pinstripe one, didn't we? There was a blue and ambery kind of pinstriped effort. That might be might be the last one before that. And then yeah. there was a 2015 kit. Wasn't we... Yeah. yeah. Okay. 2015, the Boca Juniors kit, and as you said, it had those. They added the pinstripes, didn't they? Because some people were complaining it wasn't striped. But yeah, that was the large. Ever since then, we've had very much blue and amber stripes. So that's Good seven enough. kits in a row. We're always you... due a, a different change, don't we? Yeah, true enough. I suppose it might happen next year, as Chris says, for that anniversary. I don't think it's a bad idea, that to be honest with you. Um, go on, Ollie. You can round off the kit chat. Um, I don't think there's anything else to say on the away kit because we still haven't seen it. But um, I don't know what have you made of the whole kit thing this summer, regardless of what it looks like. Just um, you know, being the second last team to announce and still not having any kits available for two games into the season, it's not. It's not great, is it? No, it's not great. Obviously, you want to get the kit out early as possible, don't you? For those extra sales, and yeah, you want the kids wearing the kits in the summer. Um, it's not. A, you don't really. Under under four layers, you're not really going to see who's wearing a Shooty Town shirt um, in the middle of winter. But no, in terms of the new kit, I thought yeah, it looks nice. I think it's blue and number stripes, which is obviously on brand for Shooty Town now in the 21st century. So that looks pretty good. Um, on the red kit, red and black has a, a for me a, a connection. Um, red and white look just like Bristol City's kit, so that was a bit odd. Um, so yeah, I understand where you're coming from there. If that was bad black trim, I don't think it'd be as bad, but. Yeah, it's. I think the most important thing is is at least it's been done now. We've got the kit. We're gonna have it ready for the new season. And yeah, obviously fans can buy it in August after the start of the season, which is a bit of a shame. But at least it's been done. With Cottrell getting involved and changing stuff and changing kit and all this kind of stuff, it does make me wonder why our kit was delayed. But at least we've got it now, Glenn. I'm, I'm sure you're happy. You can turn your 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 Twitter account back to blue and amber. Yeah, I already did, didn't I? Yeah, it has. I mean, Umbro, the Umbro, the the retro top's been great. We talked about that last week, didn't we? But um, the deal so far has been a bit. So it's been, you know, not not been the best as it in terms of delivery of kit. Everything that happened last season, you know, weird temporary kits. So actually getting a blue and amber kit, um, which is a reasonable design. There are things I'd improve on that kit, um, certainly. But you know, I think after the, <laughs> the year we've just had, anything was going to be an improvement, and and it would be accepted as long as it had an amber on it. So um, I think it's uh, got got I think it got eighty percent, eighty three percent approval rating. From a Twitter poll you did, didn't it, Ollie? So, yeah, um, so over maybe 320 votes, um, over 80%, 83%, something like that, approved, which I think is pretty mm. high. 80, 80 plus um, is a pretty good um, turnout and a yeah, job well done, really, for the club in terms of the design in the end. Okay, there we go. We can give Brian some credit in the end, eventually got that. Um, just one question. Which us to the end of pre- go on. Uh, would any of us actually buy a kit now? Or, like, was there anything they could do to make us buy a kit? I would buy a blackout I mean, well, kit, we all... that's for sure. Um, I'd buy a blackout kit, but whether I'd buy a blue and amber shirt now at um, getting close to 40, um, I'm not sure I would, to be honest. Just well, not, they're I'll... just not colours that work out and about, are they? No. <laughs> no. Well, I'll buy a trend on this one. Shirts. I'll, I'll buy it for my son, for sure. My son will definitely have the new kit. Doubt I'll wear it myself. If we had that blue kit that I'm sort of nagging about for next season, I might buy that. But you're right, blue and amber is a bit garish for probably for me to wear about. I'm, 
I'm hoping for a nice away kit as well. We haven't got the away kit yet, but I haven't bought a Shrewsbury shirt, I'll be honest, for several years. But, you know, I think my lad would like me to wear one. He's always nagging me and saying, why haven't I got a shirt? So, yeah, if we produce a, if we produce a good away kit this year, I might, I might lay out. So I'm waiting to see that. I think I might buck the trend here, folks, but for different reasons. I, I wouldn't wear it out in the bay. That's not why I buy the kit. But um, Ant Thomas, who, who many folks listen to this podcast will know, and I both play football on Thursday nights. And it's, w- when you don't live in and around the club, it's an identity factor. And, and if, I, if I need a football shirt to train on a Thursday night, then I like playing in a Shrewsbury Town shirt because people will ask me, who the hell are they? And of course, I will, I will tell them. And, I, and I, I do feel quite proud of the, of the club, given that I'm 125 miles away from it. So, so I might do. Um, and I'll definitely buy it for my boys so that they could run around with it. And again, just to prompt those questions, quite frankly, I like people to ask who the hell that kit is. Cause, and they all, they all like it because blue and amber are just a unique set of colours. I, I think that's fair, fair, fair thing to say. I think a lot of lads, you know, in sort of young lads as well, particularly want to wear it for, for the sport in, you know, five, five a night leagues and all that sort of thing. I, I laugh then because, um, you know, I played football with Ant for, what, 15 years, I suppose. And it's just nice to know that there's someone on a Thursday night he's still moaning at for not passing to him every night, I imagine, Dan. I imagine that's you now. So, um, fair, <laughs> fair play to Ant. Yeah, um, or, or, or <laughs> it's passing to him in, in, in a less than pristine manner. You know, I try and get the ball somewhere in his direction. <laughs> unless it's absolutely nailed on, he ain't happy. And, and I love him for it. <laughs> Football perfectionist, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's probably about enough on the kit, isn't it, Ollie? I think, um, you know, I, I am one of those people who will wear a kit, but I, I generally, you know, to football, to, to the town games, to be honest, we often see me one, but normally they're old retro ones from like, you know, the, the 90s and the early 2000s that have a bit of a memory. I wouldn't buy a kit off the peg and usually wear that straight away. But a lot of people do. You see, you see a lot of people wearing it around the stadium. So there's clearly, clearly a lot of people that want to buy it and get, and get it on straight away. But I think, yeah. Post forty, it's not it's not a great look to be wearing that new season's kit. Um, but then again, you might keep it in the in the back. Uh, uh, if it becomes an iconic kit for a good season this year, it might be something we want. And in ten years' time, I'll be wearing that in my fifties. Who knows? But um, <laughs> it'd be, be an interesting one to see. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of takers for it um, tomorrow when it goes on pre pre sale, Ollie. And um, yeah, you just got to hope it makes the club some money because that's that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, the main, main point is for the players to wear it. But yeah, again, it'd be good to make well, up, yeah, good some money. Um, and yeah, obviously you can maybe yeah keep 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 coffers going and yeah, hope we can sign some some better players on the back of it. But we have, lost, I'm sure we've lost out a bit on it, but um, I can't imagine it's too much. So um, yeah, let's we've done we've done pre-season games, we've done transfers, we've done the kit. Now it comes down to the real business of making some predictions. So we're going to fire through a bit about Shrewsbury predictions, then a little bit of League One predictions, um, and we'll we'll start off with where do we think Shrewsbury Town are going to finish? So I'll go first. Um, I'm going to make the bold prediction of finishing 14th, and then we'll go around. Um, so I'll go to you, Glenn, next. What do you reckon? 17th. Move on. Who's next? Dan? I, I can't see us doing any different, really, but there we go. Dan, what do you reckon? Um, 18th, scoring and conceding fewer goals than games we play. <laughs> Last season we scored one more goal than game, and the teams yeah. that scored less than um, 46 goals um, all got relegated. I wouldn't put that beyond this, but uh, but then again, I think football is such a dynamism thing that that I I hope that uh, normally I'm usually wrong. So um so yeah, let's hope that that's the case this time as well. It's Tom. Well, I'm I'm going to buck a trend here. I, I'm going to go 11th. I'm going to go top half. Oof. I know. Lofty wow. lights. Mm-hmm. And Chris, what do you go? Are you okay, Tom? <laughs> I have been ill. So I'm going to be um, the grumpy. I, I was last year the grumpy one, and you were all throwing out top half predictions left, right, and centre. This year, with the exception of Tom, you're all being grumpy with me. But 
Yeah, I can't, right now I still see more of the same, but basically. So yeah, 16th. I'll go 16th this year. Improved by a couple of places. But yeah, I don't see, I'd love to predict a top half finish. I just don't think we've got enough depth there. Uh, I just don't think we'll have enough consistency to, to pull that kind of thing out of the hat. I can see us having the odd little purple patch, a few wins in a row here and there. Probably get to November and everyone will get excited and start talking about playoffs or something. And then we'll lose four in a row. So, yeah, it's good. I can just see another season. A bit like the one that's just gone, frankly. Hope I'm wrong. Optimism abound here, lads, again, as usual. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, we, we're doing these predictions because it's a bit of fun, isn't it? And, you you know, you're basing it on where we're at. You know, not too much of a difference from where we were last season, I suppose, and watching pre-season. But, God, it would just be so good to have another... First esque season and maybe go a bit further. Just imagine, just you think back that four years ago to how bloody good that season felt, week in week. But out, remember, Glenn, we didn't we didn't know away. we were going to do that. We didn't know that season no. was coming, and I I was trying no to way. build a completely different narrative here. And I thought, right, what did we have? We had Henderson in goal. Well, our, goal, our goalkeeper's okay. We had Ben Godfrey. Godfrey come from nowhere. Well, well it, it looks like our midfield, if we get it right, has got something about it. We didn't really have an out and out goal scorer. Um, what we did have was a number 10 who was creative. And yeah, Shipley's got something about him there. So you can build a story as to why, you know, the Hurst season is not a million miles away from where we are now. Mm. But Carl, at the moment, bit, it's a, a story. Harsh on Carl it's a, that's Morris. It's a bit harsh on Colton Morris. Colton Morris was amazing. How many goals did he score? It doesn't matter. He was a, it doesn't matter. He was a mm. he was a creative linchpin. He was a he was the target man, and he was an absolute monster up front. I thought it's a strikers don't always have to score have goal. I was just saying it's worth pointing out we didn't have Colton Morris at this stage of that season, and for that matter, we didn't have Ben Godfrey either. No, we arrived didn't. after the season started. No, and no, that's yep. through this time as well. We still don't know what's to come that will make us even better. Yeah, Ben Godfrey missed the first game against Northampton, but he was there for the Oxford away game. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's that team wasn't million miles away in terms of money. It was the same, probably even less, maybe even than where we are now. But yeah, it, it wasn't. It didn't take a lot, but. Yeah, that's the just talking, going back to Glenn's point. That season was amazing. It makes me get a bit emotional if I think about it too much because it was just nice to score goals and win games. Yeah, I don't want to start a debate about that season because it always with any bunch of Supertown fans nowadays. When you're sort of out in the pub or I went to the cricket over the summer and we went to there were various other things that we did over the summer. And, you know, occasionally you sort of talk about the town. It turns on to something from that season and people just want to talk about it because it's it's the last time we had really really good memories consistently. We've had amazing moments in the FA Cup since, haven't we? But you know, if you look back at the best season in the last sort of ten years, well, eight, nine years since we came to League One, everyone wants to talk about it. So let's not do that because we've got lots to cover. Um, okay, that's the predictions for league position, Ollie. I think we've, we've done that one. Um, we've, you've added to the list now Breakthrough Player, um, which is a bit of an interesting one. We all had our own observations of that, Ollie. Um, yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had this. Someone much. Yeah, it's a bit much the same questions we've had the last few years. So yeah, Breakthrough Player. And it's hard to have a Breakthrough Player when you only sign players in the, in the mid-20s or later um, who come from the Championship. So it does make this one a little bit harder. Um, in terms of hoping, my hope is that um, Tom Bloxham has a big breakthrough season um, and bags a b- bunch of goals. I'm going to go for Tom Bloxham. It's funny because I would say he had his breakthrough season last year. He broke through into the team. Do you know what I mean? It's it's how you define what breakthrough is, don't you? Do you, do you know what I mean? From it could be from going to be a youth player to getting your first twenty appearances. That's kind of a breakthrough. But we I know what you mean, Ollie. You're yeah, but we, we've, we've got a dearth of. Yeah, we've got a dearth yeah. of young players. We've got no idea about Craig, no idea against Barlow. So it's, um, yeah, blame Steve Cottrell for this one. Well, which, which is why I've gone for something a bit different. Um, again, from, you know, kind of talking to people at the club and stuff, I, I think that it'll be a breakthrough of sorts for Jaden Bevan this season. I can see him getting more appearances in goal in the... Um, 
in the Peach Trophy this year. Maybe, you know, um, Burgoyne might not actually play in those this year. He seems to be quite happy to just sit at this football club and be a, a number two. But I, I can see him getting some appearances, Bevan, this season. And certainly, definitely, you know, towards the end of last season, involved in the first team more um, and, and probably will be every game this season, I imagine, with the three goalkeepers training. So, you know, maybe only a handful of appearances in some of the cup competitions, but I, I certainly can see him getting a little bit of a, a leg up. And that would be kind of a break for, again, from, from a player who's traditionally been a youth team player. So I, I kind of went for Bevan on this one. Um, I don't know. Chris, what did you go for? Uh, for me, one of two. I'm, I'm kind of with Ollie on Tom Bloxham. I know what you mean that he broke through last year, but I suppose it's that breakthrough as a regular goal scorer. If he could come through this year and, you know, he got three or four last year, but if this year he's pushing double figures or going on from there, then that's taking the pressure off Udo and that'll be a huge breakthrough for him. It'll also be a breakthrough in terms of what he's worth as well, isn't it? Because if he's suddenly an 18-year-old kid, I, I mean, he's still only, he's still only 18 now, isn't he? He'll turn 19 soon. But if he's got 12 goals, 12, 15 goals at the end of the season, he's a, he's a million-pound player suddenly, probably. So him, or, you know, I'm hoping still that maybe we, there's some 19-year-old kid we're about to pluck out of a Premier League club who turns out to be our next Ben Godfrey, and that kid comes in, has a breakthrough, and, yeah, turns out to be a star for us. But otherwise, no, there's no obvious pick in terms of young players waiting who I expect to come through. You know, Josh Barlow, exciting to hear about him. Reality is I don't expect to see a lot of him, so I'm not sure this is his breakthrough year, but... Hopefully he can prove me wrong. But yeah, I'm probably going to go with Ollie and go for Bloxham. And Dan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking along the same lines as you, Glyn, and there's very few people you'd naturally think of it. But I did think about Bevan. I got the feeling that he'll he'll definitely um, be, be clearly head of Burgoyne by the end of the season. And the question is, what will he do in the small number of appearances he's going to get given? Unless, of course, there's an injury and, and, and the number one slot does suddenly become vacant. Then who knows? But um, obviously, hard to predict that. But I thought about Bevan. But I'm, I'm going to, I mean, if, if I suddenly vanish off this podcast now, you'll know what Glyn's response to this is going to be. The breakthrough player... It's going to be Raquel Pike, right? Because everybody who sports you come off, Ollie. Come off, come off, Ollie. Come off, come off. I thought that might be the response. No, I thought that might be the response. But everybody who sports you should be tanning, including me, is thinking, what's happened there? How did he get a three-year contract? There must be something else over and beyond what we've seen. Now, maybe right wing back. I mean, someone said earlier, he's probably a better goalkeeper than he is right wing back. But... Football's odd, right? And all it needs is a ball to fall in the right way, a, a goal to go in off his arse, or, or something utterly left field to happen. And we will we, we have the opportunity to see Pike as a better player than we do at the moment. And we're not going to see him as a worse player. So in terms of breaking through and being broadly accepted, if he has a bit of luck, I'm going to stick my neck out and say Raquel Pike. What position is he going to be playing at? Absolutely no idea. Um, but my instinct says he's a striker, but we, we have got a few options there. Um, but Cottrell doesn't think he is. If De Costa gets injured and Bennett's not fit, it could well be out there on the right somewhere. I mean, don't get me wrong, the mortgage is not going on this. But I'm thinking breakthrough players surprise you, right? It, these are people you don't expect to do stuff. And I mean, it could have gone Jordan Shipley. You know, he'll, he'll settle himself down as, as one of the best players in League One. But I'm not sure that's a breakthrough player, really, because we know he's got no, talent he's anyway. So, 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 yeah, I'm going to go utterly left field, and you can hurl this at me for weeks on end as and when it all goes wrong. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> go on, Tom. <laughs> have you got anything as, as predictable, uh, unpredictable? Hello? Tom, are you there? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, everything I, went I'm slightly. Um, yeah, well, I say, yeah, my breakthrough player played 40 games last season. So, um, yeah, I'm going with Bowman. I, I reckon this is Bowman's year. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with 20 goals. I know he's already, he can't really break through, like, but I mean, who, who could in our team? But yeah, he's going to be the breakthrough in form for us. If he gets 20 goals, that's a great call. 
20 goals is for me yeah. is, is, a, is a standout performance so yeah fingers crossed Tom if he doesn't get it it'd be your fault uh, yeah and we'll finish 11th <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's it's sunlit uplands cool so so are you say so to, going for the next one Tom are you going for um for um Bowman top goal scorer I, well, yeah, it would be an incredible season if he wasn't, if I've predicted 20 for him now. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Bowman as top goal scorer, yeah. Um, I, I reckon a doe. What about you, Glenn? It's tricky, isn't it? There's a, you can't discount the chance that a doe might go at January if he has another sort of stellar six months. Um, and so then he probably wouldn't be top goal scorer. But, um, he would probably... If he has... If he has uh, I'll bet you, <laughs> if a doe goes in January to a championship team, he'll be our top goal scorer at the end of the year. It's likely, isn't it? Yeah, Faye, Faye didn't score for ages that one season, did he? He ended up being top goal scorer. But um, yeah, I don't think you can look beyond a doe. Um, don't know enough about Brian, but clearly his goal scoring record is pretty crap. To be honest with you, when we look at it, he's more of a, a, a different kind of hold up, sort of traditional hard working player, isn't he? He doesn't get the goals um, that that a doe's got in the last season. So yeah, it's pretty hard to look beyond a doe. Um, and I'm certainly not going to say Pike. What about you, Chris? Yeah, Daniel Udo, top scorer. I don't think any Shrewsbury fan could pick anyone else to be the more likely top goal scorer than that. Uh, if it's not him, I'll go left field and say Jordan Shipley. I fancy that he's going to be a goal-scoring midfielder for us. You know, He can be our Frank Lampard. If he, he Maybe he could come in with 15 goals from midfield. And that would be pretty special. You never know. Nolan-esque, yeah. We need another one like that, don't we? And what about you, Dan, to wrap up uh, top goal scorer? Have you got anything, other wacky to, anything wacky to say? No, I've done my wackiness for the evening, Glenn. Down a dough. <laughs> Fair enough. Okie dokie. I, I did throw another one in here, Rolly, before we get to player of the season, which we'll wrap this section up with, which was, um, who do we think is going to be captain this year? It's a fascinating one for me, that, because me and Chris were sitting there at the, the last game, weren't we, just t- talking about the fact that we've had three captains in pre-season. Dan Adoe was captain at Telford. Um, uh, I can't quite remember who it was at Burnley. Chris will shout up now. But, um, um, yeah, we had a, a, we had a one against um, Cardiff, who I've... Taylor Moore was, yeah, there we go. And I think it was, did we say Pennington the other night? I can't quite remember now. But basically three captains in three games. Um, it's interesting to see who we might go for because there's, there's definitely a lot of candidates, Ollie, um, in the team this season for captain, isn't there? You know, you've got the players who did well last season, Leahy, Pennington, um, you know, particularly stand out for me. But you've also had players with huge experience like Dunkley come in that also probably maybe have a shout to be captain as well. I don't know. Let's have our predictions of who we think will be named Town captain this year. It's an easy one, Glenn, Dunkley. Okay. Why? Why? Because he's he's thirty, he's experienced, um, he's a leader, and he's playing central defence. Where's Flanagan in all this? Okay. Is, is Flanagan an option? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I, I'm unconvinced, absolutely convinced, it's going to be Dunkley. Okay, I think Flanagan could be one of those players who's massively important. Actually, well, Flanagan, I think there's a lot of leaders in this team. Lee, he's a leader. Pennington's probably a leader. You know, not a vocal leader, but a different kind of leader. He's a really intelligent chap. Um, there's a lot of leaders. I think that's one of the, the traits that Cottrell goes for. But you're asking who's going to be captain, and I can't see me anyone but Dunkley. Okay, Dan. Then are you going Flanagan? Then, or are you just posing the question? No, I, I, I was posing the question more. I do, I do think Flanagan potentially is, is a really significant man in all this. We've given him a big, de- a big long deal. Um, Cottrell clearly rates him, and I see why. You know, an international footballer who's played at a good level, who, who sounds as if he knows what he's talking about. When I hear him, I like, I like listening to him. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't. I, I think Cottrell pick him as a captain with the armband. But I do think with with those three, you've you've got three leaders. Pennington's a leader as well. Pennington talks a long field. Um, yeah. But I do think Dunkley will ultimately get it. I think that's absolutely spot on. But those three have got have got traits, leadership traits that I like. What about you, Chris? Following on from what Just Dan said, we've got so many good options that it almost doesn't matter who's got the armband. We've got good leaders on the pitch and that's a positive thing to have. 
if it was me, who do I think? I do actually probably agree with Ollie, but I, I, I'm basing it on what I've seen on the pitch and a, and a couple of interviews I've seen. You know, I've heard Flanagan speak and he impresses me. He seems quite laid back, whereas I watched that interview with Shea Dunkley after we signed him and it was like 12 minutes of pure passion. The guy, the guy seemed to me a total leader and he seemed totally committed to our club as well. I thought it was a, a very impressive first interview from, a, from an experienced football player coming to a club like ours. So... I'd be happy to see Shea Dunkley made captain, but equally, you know, you don't know with this with with Steve Cottrell what he's saying and what he likes. You know, I think one of the games, uh, Luke Leahy actually finished the match in pre-season with the armband on after all the substitutions yeah. that happened, and Luke Leahy was captain at Bristol Rovers in the past as well. So he's another player who's been a leader. Who, uh, you know, we we were joking last year that he's Steve Cottrell's son because early on in the season when he was when he wasn't as popular as he is now. Do you remember? Some of us were thinking Luke Leahy, why is yeah. he still in the team at one point? And it was it was the running joke that Cottrell would would pick him whatever. And to be fair to Cottrell and to be fair to Luke Leahy, by the end of the season nobody was questioning it at all. But so it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up with the armband either. He could do with get uh, with not yeah. getting as booked as frequently as he does. I think that's an issue. He's got to learn to shut up a bit. And I know as captain, you have a right to talk to the referee a little bit more. But Leahy, to me, is just a bit too in, in, impetuous to be a captain. Too many bookings for silly yeah. things. And I think that's quite indicative of, of someone who's not actually captaincy material, even if he's someone I, I, I like a lot and I've got a lot of respect for as a footballer. Yeah, I think I think you can talk too much, can't you? Um, and it doesn't really set the best example in some ways. But sometimes I think every team needs someone like that. You know, how many times have you seen a player talk to a referee and get in their ear and influence them? Um, actually, Chris said something really important, I think. I don't think captains matter as much. I don't know whether they... Whether I'm old enough to say this, whether you know captains don't matter as much as they used to in the old days, but I totally agree with Chris's point. I think I think the the kind of the the the, the role of a captain at a club is probably less than it in international football. Which is I'll come to Tom's answer in a minute. Which is why I'll give you my answer then. Which is I think Elliot Bennett might get made club captain because of that ambassadorial role as well that you almost have as a club captain. You know, you're right. We have got enough leaders that you don't need someone to to rally the troops. You suspect that they're going to be able to do that between themselves as an experienced bunch of pros and Elliot. Bennett probably re- reflects the club as well as anyone at the moment. You know, his, his, his community work last year was obviously really good. He was noted alongside um, Bok, um, um, the oh, belly keeper, um, Burgoyne at the end of the season. Um, you know, he always got time for fans whenever I'm down there. He, he, he's, he's been really good. Um, and, you know, that experienced pro with a bit of experience that, you know, you, you could also also see being a club captain, couldn't you? So um, I'll go for, for I'll go for Elliot Bennett. I don't know, Tom, what, what about you to wrap us off? Yeah, it, it, for me, it's captaincy is a bit of a weird one now, isn't it? Because, like, it doesn't mean much, does it? It, it, it? You're going to be club captain. It might as well be Lee or Bennett just for the, the link they've got with the fans. Um, mm. For an actual team captain, well, you might as well go Dunkley, Moore or Pennington, really. They're going to be the ones in the middle of the pitch marshalling everything. Um, it's not like being cricket captain like in a cricket team, is it? I mean, they actually make decisions and stuff that captain on a football pitch doesn't really do a lot by shake hands at the start do they and the toss very important the toss isn't it obviously um <laughs> you know no it, it's a fair comment i think there i think the i think the reflection from all of us is that the role of captain it's not like the 90s down the meadow when you you had tommy lynch balling everybody out and getting them getting them up to, to the levels required at times and um you can think of some of those tub thumping captains we've had over the years that have done a similar job it's it's a different type of role but there is there is also we should also say you can't totally discount it there are times when players go in on themselves and they need that captain role on the pitch as well so there is still a there is still an important part of the game, isn't it? But um, but we've, we've got six players that'll do that for us now. Exactly. This, that's what I was say. Diminished by the fact we've yeah. got a lot of players that should just do that as a, as a natural cause now. So that's fine. And then the last one we've got Ollie on the list for predictions before we look a bit wider at League One and we make our really bad predictions. Um, is who do we think is going to be player of the season? Um, 
from from three fairly in in inconsequential uh, um and, and unattacking <laughs> games we've seen so far. It's not a lot to judge on, but um go on, I'll start with you, Tom, this time because you normally come to you last. Who, who do you think's gonna be player of the season? Well when he scores twenty goals, it'll be Bowman. I mean it'd be rude not to give it him at that point. Have you, said Bowman, have you said Bowman for everything then, yeah? He's a big fan <laughs> yeah, of Bowman. Bowman is Bowman. I, I, this is his season I'm telling you now and when he doesn't start out first game I will have this pod deleted <laughs> fair enough it's good to be consistent there's one thing about it what, what about you uh, Dan where are you at with player of the season Tom Pike, isn't it, Dan? that would be logical but I'm, I'm going to step back from that crazy prediction earlier I mean I, I said he'd break through I didn't say he'd um, suddenly become really good uh, and I think that's quite a, quite a big difference now, I'll go Tom Flanagan I, I think he's a good footballer I think in a decent side it will be a real strong domineering presence um, and uh, I, I like what I've seen with him so um, I'll go with him Chris what about you mate Jordan Shipley I fancy Jordan Shipley to be a really key player for us. He'll, I reckon he'll get close to 10 goals. He's going to be the kind of player who's going to excite us as fans. So, yeah, I can see him easily walking away with player of the season. And the thing is, Chris, if you're right there, then all of our doom and gloom predictions are seriously in jeopardy. Because if he's the man and he's doing what we know he can do, then we'll be scoring goals. And we won't be finishing 19th, as I predicted. So I really do hope you are spot on there. If we're picking that type of player as player of the year, we've had a fantastic season. I, I, I'll interject here as well before I throw it to Ollie for his answer. But I would, I would say exactly the same thing as Chris. I had Shipley down. I've written, written some notes down for once in my life uh, doing a podcast. Um, I had Shipley down for two reasons. One, uh, he's probably the signing we brought in I'm the most excited about. I think I said that last week to Nali. He's a, cl- a clear pair player with pedigree at this level, even you know lower half championship gets goals, gets fans excited as well. Um, but it's also based on what Shrewsbury Town fans like. Normally, in an, in an average season, a, a gritty central midfielder or a centre-back will win player of the season. If we if we have a, a, a season where we have got a flashy attacking central midfielder, they always win player of the season. And just look at John Nolan. I think he won player of the season in that great year we had um, by, I think, a record margin. He, he was that good. Um, so, yeah, fa- Town fans love a central midfielder who's good and scores goals. And, um, you know, even if he gets only 10, Chris, I think that'll probably be enough to get player of the season. So, um, I'm going for Shipley as well. What about you, um, Ollie? I don't, know, I don't know where this thing about Shipley scoring goals has come from. He doesn't score lots of goals. He's, the most he's ever scored in a season is five. Um, Nolan, that one season where he did really have scored nine. Chipley's a box-to-box midfielder. He's not a number 10 or a, a Frank Lampard goal scorer. If he scores 10, then definitely he'll be player of the season. But um, yeah, he's, he's not. I don't think he's the goal scorer that we all hope um, he's going to be. Sorry to, sorry to sampling spirits there. But isn't it more about the dynamism he'll give the team if he's playing well? If, if he's a Roy Keane-esque player in our standard of football, then the team will be much, much better for it, no? Yeah, if, if he does really well, then obviously we'll do, we'll do well, which is obvious. But yeah, he's not the, he hasn't got the pedigree of, of scoring a load of goals. It's just he scored five in League Two, um, three in League One, five again in League One. Then he scored a total of four goals in the Championship in, in two years. He was dead young he then, Ollie. This is his year. He was dead young okay. when he was nineteen, twenty, playing in League Two. He was. So he was nineteen or twenty. I give him that. Um, but in terms of my answer, I, th- I think I think actually that Tom Bayliss is going to play more games and play more minutes than Chipley. I can actually see him. Wow. Um, he, yeah, he went to Preston. Um, Shipley didn't move on. Preston signed him because they saw something in him. I think I think Bayliss is, is probably going to be the better player of the two. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if him and Leahy um, play more together than Shipley. So for me, I think. I, I really hope that Bayliss does well because I think, I think, ten, I think potentially he's, he's the better player. He looked a bit weak in the two games I saw. It's very early days. But he was more was like John Nolan really anything. strong? 
No, 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 true enough. But yeah, he got shot to the ball a few times, and you know, I think that was. One he of hasn't played a lot of games, and I think that's times. a big trend mm-hmm. of a lot of the players we've signed. So, so, um, so Shipley only played six hundred minutes last year. On Bayliss played less. He played five hundred eighty minutes last year, and I think that's one of the bit of a theme, isn't it? We signed a lot of players from the championship, um, but a lot of players haven't played a lot of games. So I think it might take a bit of time to sign, get the new players, get up to speed because they haven't been playing either. Yeah, well, that's the fun, isn't it? Over the next few months, it's finding out uh, what these players are all about and whether they are quite as good as we hope they're going to be. And uh, that's what I'm really, really looking forward to as we go towards uh, Christmas time. We'll probably know by then, won't we? But um, there we go. That's our say on what's going to happen at Shrewsbury Town. Next is what we think is going to happen in terms of League One promotion, relegation, and maybe the dark horses. I think traditionally we've all been pretty crap at this. I think Chris has had a, a few good stabs at this over the years, but I think we've all had pretty terrible guesses as well. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start with promotion, Ollie. Um, so, I don't know. I, I looked at the table this afternoon. For me, um, I went for Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton as the free to go up. Um, I just, I don't know. I've got a feeling this year it's going to be the year the big teams kind of get it together. Um, and I think it'll be three big teams that go up. And I can't see Derby getting it together of the, of the bigger teams. So, um that's my nips with Sheffield Wednesday and Charlton. I haven't really got anything more to say than that. Um, go on, Ollie, you, you go next. So, yeah, I think Sheffield Wednesday can do really well. Uh, they've been signing well and, and kept most of the squad from last season. Um, they've still got Bannon as well. So, I think Sheffield Wednesday, I think Ipswich will do well. And I think Peterborough will become the new Rotherham. I think it's uh, Peterborough and Rotherham are just going to keep swapping up and down. So, I think Peterborough will do well as well. So, Dan, what do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon this is mightily difficult. We've got seven former Premier League clubs in our division this year. And we've got a couple of other sides who we, who we know have got pedigree to go up and down, the Wickhams and the Peterboroughs. So, um, and, and plus, most sides rotate a third of their squad every every year. That's the way it is. So, you know, it really is just sort of pinning the tail of the donkey stuff. But I think the fact that Bannon's still at Sheffield Wednesday and, and they have been recruiting makes me think they'll be one. So I'm going to go for them. Um, Derby, I think Derby will either win it or come 14th. Um, I, I, can't, I don't know. I, I can't see them... Uh, um, doing anything else there. I, I just think that, that it, it's so hard to call on them that, that I'm going to leave them out. So I'm not going to go for Derby. It'll be Sheffield Wednesday. Peterborough, I picked them as well. I think that's spot on. Uh, Peterborough and Rotherham know a thing or two about going up, making sure they don't waste all their money, coming back down and doing it again. So uh, they'll be my number two. And um, much as I hate to say it, because it's the nearest away game to where I live, but Wickham, uh, simply because they've got a manager who knows this league inside out, he knows all the dark arts, um, and that they'll go up winning as many 1-0 games as is humanly possible. Yeah, it's a fair shout that, to be honest with you, Dan. Um, Wickham could become another one of those sort of up and down teams as well, um, the way they've pushed on the last few years as well. But um, yeah, go on, Tom, what about you? What have you got for your, your promotion teams? Uh, stick me firmly in the camp of Sheffield Wednesday and Peterborough as well. Um, I can't really. There's, there's what seven, eight behemoths of League One in this t- the league at the moment. Like well, nobody's going to get past them at this point. They're, they've got so much more resor- resources than everybody else. Um, but my third one, I'm going for Bolton in the playoffs. Just feel it's their year. Yeah, that's fair. They've been down here a while now, haven't they? Uh, been through their troubles and the financial problems. I think we, I remember going out there and playing them when they were in one of those sort of phases and they had hardly any players and we couldn't. <laughs> We couldn't beat them. That was a few years ago, wasn't it? But um, they've certainly righted the ship a little bit, haven't they, Bolton now? And, and you're right, maybe this is this is their time to kick on as well. Um, yeah, interesting. There's so many people going for Peterborough. I really didn't consider them. Um, I look a mug. Um, Chris, have you gone for Peterborough or have you gone for other teams? No, I haven't gone for Peterborough, actually. I just, I, I'm just, i sure they'll be up there. I'm sure they'll be playoff contenders. But I'm a bit like you. I think this year might be a year when some of these... There's just so many big guns this year and so many of them have invested well as well. I, I, I've kind of gone for some of those clubs this year. I see Ipswich going up this time. I think they've got a good young manager who seems to know what he's doing. I think they'll be exciting to watch and probably hard to beat. My surprise, slightly surprised pick, I suppose, is I've got Barnsley second. I think Michael Duff has recruited really well. 
I think three of the four of the guys he's brought in there look really good players. Strong team, uh, they, and obviously he's proven himself at this level with the job he did at Cheltenham last year. So I fancy Barnsley to go up in the playoffs. I've gone with Derby. I, I just think again they've recruit. I know that they're starting from scratch, but they've brought in some big guns, uh, some experienced footballers there. And if they can gel in any reasonable amount of time, they're they're going to win a lot of football matches. So I could see them winning the playoffs. Sheffield Wednesday are obviously one of the the big favourites. They haven't had the best pre-season. I was actually reading an interview earlier with their manager, and he's a bit concerned about the way they still can't defend. He said that it was one of their big issues last year, and. He's a bit concerned about that at the minute. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of hoping that kicks on into the season and they ship a few more goals than you'd like. But it's hard to pick, isn't it? Because I've named four clubs there and picked three of them. And yet you could name another four or five big guns who'd all expect to be in the mix. So it's going to be really tough at the top. And it kind of puts in, into perspective the challenge that we've got as a club like Shrewsbury when, you know, if we're going to challenge for the playoffs, these are the clubs we've got to go up against and beat. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah interesting. The only one didn't actually go for Sheffield Wednesday in the end, but um, certainly I think they're going to be there or thereabouts, even if they weren't in your top three, as you said then, Chris. So, fascinating. There we go. Um, yeah, so that's the, the, the teams that will be having a good season. What about the ones that will be having a poor season? Um, I'll start this one, um, if, you, if you want, before we move around the table. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I've gone for Port Vale. Uh, I don't know. There's that, always that one team that come up from the season before that just don't quite hit the ground running. Some of them done quite well in, the, in recent years, haven't they? You can look at Cambridge last year, I suppose. But, um, yeah, uh, I think Port Vale will probably struggle this year. Um, but I'm also going to go for Cambridge, who I think um, might just have that sort of second season syndrome. Um, and I'm going to go for Morecambe. I don't think they've done much this summer um, from what I've been looking at. And obviously not like Fleetwood just up the road who've made probably some more shrewd additions to the club. Um, they, you know, they're not the biggest team in this league and they've done well to kind of survive this long. And I've also gone for Accrington for the same reason. I just, I feel like some of those teams that have been up here a little bit like us, you know, you could easily throw us into this mix. Some of the teams that are, they're obviously a little bit smaller than us, Accrington and Morecambe, but teams who've been riding their luck for a few years, um, maybe it'll be the time for them to come undone. So I've gone for Morecambe and Accrington for, for sort of that reason, really. But um what about you, Chris? Start us off on, on the teams to be relegated. Well, I'm going to start, Glenn, by saying, how can you go with Accrington Stanley when they've got Sean Wally in their squad, man? You can't have Sean Wally getting relegated. He alone has got to be good enough for them to stay up for me. Too old. So. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm not having it. No, um, interestingly, we've only got one the same from the four that I've picked to go down. I agree with Morecambe. I'm sure that I have this fear. Now, now, if we're all going to start predicting Morecambe to go down, they're our first opponents, of course, so I don't want them to start making us look silly on Saturday. But... Right now, I see them as uh, real strugglers. My other three are Exeter City. I know they got promoted last season, but their recruitment is basically non-existent. Uh, so I do worry that they're struggling to bring anybody in and will probably find it tough in this league. I've gone for Forest Green as another promoted team. They've lost their manager, lost two or three of their better players. I'm not convinced by what they've brought in in terms of strengthening them. I think they might find it difficult. And my fourth one is Cheltenham Town. I think they've lost Michael Duff, lost a few players. And I think, you know, they, they probably outperformed expectations last year, but this year might be the year when they uh, sink back into that, uh, into League Two. I like Chatham away. I hope they don't go down. Um, what about you, Dan? Well, I'm largely talking names that have already been mentioned. I mean, the tendency, of course, is to go for the smaller clubs to go down and the bigger clubs to go up. But there's a lot of evidence to say that that's not, that's not illogical in this division because there is such a gulf between what the big clubs and small clubs can do. Um, I went for Morecambe, although I was, like Chris, very well aware that we're playing them up first up so if we get beat 3-0 we could be in trouble um, but I, I, do, I do think they haven't really done much of note and, and they, they struggled badly for a significant part of last season so Morecambe um, 
Cheltenham, again, largely for reasons that, that Chris said, actually. I, I just think that, that they may be treading water a bit. And there's always one side that's sort of mid-table one year that, that, that gets sucked right into it the next. So, I mean, I've randomly, not randomly, but I, I've reasonably hopefully gone for Cheltenham rather than someone like us. Uh, and then uh, Port Vale, largely because it's a pretty distasteful place to go and I, I hope they get relegated. Um, but also, I, I, I'm not sure they've done enough to, to really merit anything more. And the fourth one... Exeter City. And again, I hadn't seen them do much. I don't know that they haven't done much through the summer, but I hadn't picked up on much. So they were the fourth one uh, on my list. OK. And Tom? Uh, yeah, well, chuck me down in the Morecambe camp as well. Is that game nearly must win already, the first game of the season? It really would be bad <laughs> to lose that one, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Yeah, that would be a bit of an uh, early call for that, Tom. <laughs> it would be bad. Uh, I'm just looking at the odds online, just like of who's the relegation odds. And there are 12 teams that are within a whisper of each other before it goes up to the likes of Plymouth, Charlton and Wickham. Uh, we, we are one of those teams. So, I mean, it literally, you could chuck all 12 teams in a hat and just draw four out at this point by the, you know, by the bookie sort of thing. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm going Cheltenham, uh, Port Vale and Exeter with Morecambe. Just exactly the same as me. Teams that have been treading water too long. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ollie, and I'm expecting you to have done copious research for this answer, Ollie. So um, go on, tell us about League League Two's relegation candidates. League One's um, relegation candidates. Yeah, so I've gone for Port Vale for the same reason as Dan. I want them to go down. Um, I think that Cheltenham are going to struggle because they're changing manager. Morecambe just about survived last year. Um, I think they'll struggle, and I think Exeter as well. Um, I think they're going to struggle as well in terms of. Yeah, not having the biggest budget, and then yeah, I always think that teams that come up are always going to struggle. Um, but um, but yeah, it's I think it's always it's tough to pick the relegation side, but they're the four I've gone for. And and just for the record, I went for those four earlier in the day because I did I did an article for for a blog. And yes, it is the same as Tom and, and Dan. I'm just glad I went first Popular. in the choices because I've got a, I've got a clear you know clear conscience on this one. But yeah, I can <laughs> totally see why you made those choices. Okay, for me, for me, outside bets as well was Cambridge. I think when we watched Cambridge, Cambridge were atrocious. I'm surprised they did as well. Shocking, actually. Um, yeah, they were shocking when we saw them. Um, I think Forest Green as well. Obviously, lost their manager, lost a few good players as well. Um, so I think they'll be in there. Yeah, League One relegation is tough, isn't it? As we see. You know, you can remember that year Warsaw went down. They were laughing at us because they were near the playoffs, and then they got relegated. So it's, it's always hard. And yeah, we've obviously seen a few teams as well finally get relegated, haven't we? With Gillingham and Wimbledon, yep. a lot of teams might think that's going to be Shrewsbury because um, we're one of the longest serving now. So yeah, it's going to be tough. I think there'll be a lot of teams in there as well as we said. Um, but yeah, that's who I've gone for. Hopefully, this season is one where we actually do better against those teams down with us. I think we've lamented that for a couple of seasons, haven't we, Ollie? That we've never, um, we've never kind of, what's the word? We've never kind of been able to sort of see that, see a lot of those crapper teams out, I suppose. Um, and then we've managed to save ourselves with those wins away at the teams at the top of the league. So you know, it'd be nice for us to have that breathing room as the season goes on by beating the teams we're talking about here. But um, it never seems to go that way too much, does it? Unfortunately. So. Um, We'll see as the season goes on. Um, dark Horses. I've just written my Dark Horse on the agenda, uh, and I will give a good reason for it, but Ollie's, Ollie's actually writing in the background. You can probably hear him typing away. He doesn't believe that they should be allowed to be considered a Dark Horse. Um, but I don't know. Uh, considering the amount of big teams in this division, and we, we just talked about them, and no one mentioned this team for going up for promotion, I was going to go for MK Dongs as my Dark Horse. Um, 
because you know no one's talking about them for automatic promotion and you can have your justification in it, Ollie. i'll say why i think they can be dark horses mainly because they've got a lot of money swishing about still at the moment they sold um i think it's scott twine isn't it to, to burnley for four million and they sold another lad to swansea for about half a million and a half as well so five million quid in they've only spent it on a, a couple of players and one from ireland they've also signed will brigham bradley johnson didn't have a particularly bad squad last year either so to me they're a team that look like they've built on what they had last year um and and could be the dark horses for one of those automatic promotion places that's why i'm kind of defining dark horse ollie because i don't think too many people would still have them for for automatic promotion yet ollie so go on we've got 89 points last year but 89 points they won 26 games and they scored nearly 80 goals (laughs) they can't be a dark horse because they finished you don't think they're gonna finish in the top four either (laughs) No, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, as I think about a dark horse, one of the teams that I don't think are, are going to get right up there. But um, oh well, you know, we're all allowed to have a dark horse, and you know, I'm going to stand by it because if they do do well again, then it'll look like I was brilliant and I knew what I was talking about. But they finished third habit, last so year. <laughs> You're expecting them to have a worse season, <laughs> and he's putting them as their hey, dark I'm horse. Say, you, you, you don't expect me to. I, I'm going dark horse to win the league. Then there you go. Is that fair enough? You know, I, I, I think I'm going to go for that. Okay, <laughs> I'm not changing. But they did finish. I literally did though. Yeah, true enough. But I, I still think, you know, yeah, I look like an idiot. Maybe I should change this. I don't know. I, I didn't look at the Keep table last year and I was just don't, scrolling don't through a few teams don't considering edit the where podcast, they were. Don't, I'm keeping a record of this file. I've been so busy today. I haven't done, done any research at all for this, which is shocking, isn't it, really? I'll, st- I'll maintain it. I think I gave a fair just enough skip it in, stick in there. Um, Dan, who are you going I will for? Leave it in. I don't care. I can't look like more well, of an idiot to anyone anyway, so it's fine. Well, I mean, I think that the MK Dance ones is interesting because they're not allowed to go up, Glyn. This is this is not allowed. It's the law of the <laughs> land because um, there's an IKEA right next to their stadium. So this means it's the easiest gig for me to get to because I can just explain to my good lady wife that there's an afternoon's worth of credit card freedom around the corner, and it means I get to go to see Town Player MK Dance every single. So they're not going up. It's not allowed unless we go up. Then they can go up with us, obviously. So so MK Dons, I'm not having that simply because of my own selfish IKEA-related reasons. Who's the dark horse? I'm going to go Bristol Rovers. Um, I don't know whether they're going to have a great season or an absolutely rubbish season. They might quite plausibly go down. But I've got a feeling. I mean, they signed John Marcus, didn't they? And I always think there's something about him as a centre-forward. I know he's getting on a bit. Um, and I, I do think with Joey Barton, you've got no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be a bit mad, but it can sometimes be really positive, like the, the way they charged up last season, um, or it can sometimes blow the whole thing apart. So that's classic Dark Horse territory. It could be brilliant, but it might not be. So um, I'll go for them. Who are you going for, Tom? Well, I mean, I, I've put them to go up to the playoffs, so I'm, I'm going to have to stick with Bolton. I, I, I just feel like they're, they're on a bit of a climb at the moment, and... Uh... This is going to be their year to go straight up again, I think. That's Fair a good enough. show. I, I Bolton, like, actually, I'm going to go yeah. just jump on there. Bolton, for me, is my dark horses. Um, you know, recruited well last season, signed a couple of players in January as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going for Bolton as well as Tom. Plus, there'll be a team that actually finishes better than they did last year as well. So That which mm-hmm. makes them a dark horse. And yeah, finish, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah justifiable, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to interject very quickly, right? I've, I've just looked at the piece of paper I wrote my Dark Horse down on, and I've, I've sent it to our, a group chat that we all set up earlier on to organise this. As you can see very clearly from it, I wrote down Dark Horse Fleetwood, and I put Scott Brown, question mark, Vela. So I don't know why I said MK Dons before, but I, I genuinely did write Fleetwood down. So I've, I've had a brain fart earlier on when I was talking about MK Dons. But there you go, Fleetwood we'll could have been my two, second then. answer. We'll let you have two. Maybe it should have been my first answer, but I just sent you all a photograph. I did definitely write down Fleetwood before, but oh dear, I've, it's, it's been a busy day. Anyway, go on. I can um, confirm that the photo's landed, Glenn. I can, I can back you up. The photo yeah. has landed. It definitely says Fleetwood. I don't know what you're going on about. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looks like he's just written that. 
That's true. There's no timestamp on it, is there? Yeah, it's very true. You'd have to trust me. Um, go on, Chris. Have you got Fleetwood? No, I've not got Fleetwood, Glenn. I haven't. And uh, interestingly, I haven't got MK Dons either, actually. So I had got two down. I've got Bristol Rovers. So I did actually agree with uh, Dan on that. I can see them having a strong season. I really can't stand Joey Barton. So I would love to be wrong on that. But I've got a feeling they're going to do well. And my other one, I wasn't sure if this counted as a dark horse. But I mean, if MK Dons qualifies, then anything goes. But I could see Plymouth going up this season as well. I just think Steve Schumacher is going to do a good job there. He started well last year. I think when Ryan Lowe left, everybody thought that might be the end of Plymouth. But actually, they ended up only just missing out on the playoffs. I can see them pushing on this year and actually being uh, having a really good season. So I'm not sure if that's a dark horse, Ollie, or if they're too bit, uh, too strong to count. But that was my other pick. Yeah, I think they're on the edge, aren't they? I think if, I think if a team doesn't get in the playoffs, I think then you can probably put them in down as a dark horse. Um, but they, did they get in the playoffs last season? Oh, my, my mind has gone a bit fuzzy. They missed them. They missed yeah, the they playoffs. just missed out. So yeah, they're, they're allowed, in, in, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I did also want to add, by the way, nobody has mentioned Shrewsbury Town as the dark horse here. Interestingly, you look online, you look on Twitter, and fans from other clubs, when this question has come up on Twitter in the last three or four weeks, have consistently said Shrewsbury Town. We've come up so many times. So while we're a little bit jaded, maybe, and a little bit more pessimistic about the size of our squad, there's no doubt that what we've brought in has caught the eye of other supporters, and that, you know, for a lot of people out there, we're the dark horse. And it's been quite nice to read that as a fan. I think that's really interesting, isn't it? I think we definitely had that tag and I think everyone was really excited when we, when we signed all those players in pre, at the start of pre-season I think time um, has given us time a little bit to reflect on those signings and I think yeah the lack of goals and the size of the squad have kind of for me jaded that excitement is that a fair summary guys? Where would we have to finish to be a dark horse like would, would like top half playoffs? I, I, think, like, I think a dark half yeah. needs to be at least put a fighting for the playoffs yeah. until the I last few days quite get to that no, but a lot of people have been quite excited about it. When we, we think also we signed so many players in such a short period of time, which I think made um, create create a lot of attention and got a lot of attention for for a week. Um, but I don't know, you guys, what do you think? Like Dan, do you think that you know we did get it really excited and and but kind of reality's biting a little bit now? Not even reality on the season that started. So that's not. Accurate yeah, I think lethargy's biting. Yeah, lethargy. To be honest, on because what, what we've got is, is not a great deal is happening. Now, we're getting super excited about a kit, and um, that's because it's something. You know, when we're not playing, when we're not getting any... Well, not getting, I, we've got bits out of Cottrell, but, but I just feel that we're, we're waiting for a season to start, and it's, it's just in first gear at the moment. So that inevitably damps down the expectations. I mean, I'm, I, I love the, the narrative there, and I can totally understand it. I don't quite feel it. But um, but let's. I mean, we play Morecambe and Accrington first, right? And if we're played two, lost two, then I'm I'm going to be a little a little worried because well, I don't think that they're, those two clubs are going to be at the top of the table. So I think I'll know pretty quickly whether it's just pre-season lethargy or it's crikey, we, we've got a real task on our hands. I think the start of the season will be key again, isn't it? Um, given how poor the start of last season is, no one's really talking about this, and maybe on my own. Apologies to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but I think the the manager's under a bit of pressure. We need to start the season well. We can't have the, the disaster we had last season. Last season was a terribly, terribly poor start. Um, and he's basically gone for the same methods again this year. Um, so it'd be interesting. Are you calling for him to go if we lose to Morecambe? No. But the first time. <laughs> yeah. if, if we start the season well, last If we lose to Accrington, maybe. But, um. Yeah, but I think, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're in a relegation zone after 10 games, then I, I would say questions need to be asked. 
I was going to ask you what you meant by that, Ollie. So, so if it was, say, 1-3, drawn 5, lost 2 after 10 games, what, what would your position then be? So how many points per game is that? So we'd be on 14. That's all right. But if you get more than a point per game, I think you'll probably be okay. But okay. Start, we had worse than that last season. If we score, if we don't score less than a goal a game and less than a point a game in the first 10, for me, that's, that's, a, that's a red line. The funny thing is that, you know, we and we're just going on to next season a little bit before we probably wrap this podcast up, but it, it'd be almost statistically impossible to do worse than we did at the start of last That's season. That's what I'm trying to say. Last season was terrible. And so we, I think people we can't forgotten be that bad after the first 10. Yeah, we, we couldn't be that bad after the first 10. So either way, when you look at the stats, which I always do, don't I, Ollie, on the podcast and on Twitter, I always compare last season to this season to give you a good grip of where we are. I can only see us being several points ahead of where we were after 10 games next season unless um, the wheels have completely fallen off. And then you're right, Cottrell would be under pressure. So I can I can see us doing better than we did at the start of last season. But um, it, it'll be considerably better, though. Kind of all kicks it, needs, on. it needs to considerably yeah. better. And even that would still be yeah. on par with what you normally expect. I was going to say, we should leave this on some positivity, Ollie, before we wrap it up for now. I was going to ask everyone the question, what is kind of one, I suppose, let's let's say, what's the one game you're looking forward to this season? You know, something that's really sort of whetted your appetite in the fixture list, you know, something you're looking forward to going to. It could be the first game, last game, Christmas game, a specific game, maybe going to the IKEA at MK Dons, like Dan just said. But, um, I don't know, not giving you much time to think here because I didn't prep this question, but I don't know, Chris, is there something you're, is there one game you're really kind of looking forward to going to this season? Crikey, Glenn, tough question that one. Uh, mm. I suppose I'm looking forward to see, I'm looking forward to some of the seeing some of the big clubs. It's always fun. I'm looking forward to Derby County in August. For bizarrely personal reasons, I'm looking forward to the games in March. I've got my lad booked. He can't hear me. He's in bed now, so I can say this. He's going to be mascot for one of the games in March. So I'm looking forward to that for personal reasons. That'll be fun. Uh, and then uh, yeah, the rest of it, we'll see how the season goes in terms of. You know, I, I'm, I'm just hoping for a good season. Last year was a bit tedious at times in terms of the football we watched. I just want to be entertained. So I've missed the, I always miss the football and I'm one of those fans who gets enthusiastic. And, you know, I've enjoyed going to the friendlies again in the last couple of weeks. And just, uh, I suppose at the, at the moment, my expectation levels are, are relatively high. I, want, I just want us to get off to a good start. So, yeah, no particular game that stands out. Just... I just want a good season. Can we please have a few goals this year? That'd be nice. That's completely fair. And I think the experience, I remember when my daughter was a mascot, it's a bloody great experience as a, as a parent of a kid who loves Shrewsbury Town <laughs> for them to be the mascot because you, you get a little peek behind the curtains, Chris. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that day. What about you, Dan? Is you know Being down in London, you probably look forward to some of those games in that area a bit more than some of the others, I suppose? Yeah, well, I look forward to different games for different reasons. I mean, Charlton away is always a great away day. It's easy to get to from where I am. The away end at Charlton, it's brilliant, um, you know, with that great roof. So that, that's always a highlight. Um, but personally, I've, I've never seen us play at uh, a, a competitive football away at Derby County. Um, and I mean, I do remember us playing Derby in the 80s, but I, I never went to an away game. So I, I'm really looking forward to going to, to, to Pride Park. And also, I've never seen us play a game at Sheffield Wednesday. I couldn't get there last year. So um, we've got this obviously phenomenal record against Sheffield Wednesday. And um, uh, I'd, I'd like to, to get to, to Hillsborough to see us play. So they're the two I'm going for, uh, for purely personal reasons, really. That's, that's the answer. This is the question I'm asking. You know, the personal reasons are completely fine. It's something, you know, we've all, we've all got things we want to do or places we want to go more often than not. I've never been. We played Derby, to, rem- to remind you, we played them in the League Cup game, didn't we? We a few, you know, maybe ten years ago, I think it was. We did, yeah. I couldn't get that. We did. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was sick that day. I missed it. So Derby's in one on my list as well. But I'm going to a bloody stag party that weekend in in Portugal. So I'm not I'm not going to complain too much because that'll be fun. But it'll still be on my list, which is why the game I'm looking forward to more than probably some this season. And I look forward to every town game, like Chris just said. I, I cannot wait for the season to start. Um, will be Forest Green away because new stadium again. Never been there. Obviously went to Forest Green in the uh, in the conference season and saw us uh, under Jimmy Quinn. Um, and that that momentous day. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice to knock that new stadium off my list as well. So I'm I'm really looking forward to going to Forest Green away, Ollie. Um, what about you? What, what's on your list? Yeah, Forest Greenaway is a good one for me, just down the M5, so that should be a good one. And, and yeah, I've been to Pride Park a few times, uh, but never obviously seen Shrewsbury play there, so away at, um, at Derby should be a good one as well. Glenn, if you're looking um, forward you, to Forest Green, oh, so I was just going to say, Glenn, as a man who likes his football food, you, uh, are you looking forward to the vegan food at Forest Green? No, I think I've mentioned I'm looking forward to everyone whinging about the, the food. <laughs> I've got to say, I've been there, Greg. and it's good. It's good. I've been there with uh, in my old days covering non-league football, and I've been to that stadium and to cover matches two or three times, and it's surprisingly good. I, they were always really welcoming. I liked Forest Green, and I, I reckon you'll enjoy, it'll be a good away day, that one. I mean, chips are vegan, so, you know, no loss there, Chris, let's be honest about it. But I'm almost <laughs> certainly going to attempt to, st- uh, to smuggle some Greg sausage rolls in there, and there's nothing they can do to stop me. <laughs> so that's my uh, my plan for that way game. Maybe that's why I'm looking forward to it so much. Um, um, but, yeah, go on, Tom. I was about to ask you what your, uh, I don't know, the one game you're looking forward to the most this season and really getting your teeth into as, the, as we go on. It, it was weird. I was in meal breaks at lunchtime today and there was a massive queue to get out of it, like there always is, you know, coming out of the retail park. Oh, I'd pop to Argos. I thought... This is just like Saturday afternoon, about half past five. I thought, well, it really is about time we go back to some football now. And I'm just looking forward to the first game of the season. Just get back to it. I'm loving that. So Good. Tom's missing Good a traffic idea. jam. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of radio structure on, you know. East Mid Shropshire doesn't often see cars, Dan. You got to remember that. Good point. Yeah. Good point. You know, I'm only joking, Tom. It's always it's always good to have some of our South Shropshire brethren on the podcast as well. You know, we're not we're not all uh, we're not. Well, I suppose we're all from different parts of the country, are we? Really? I know me and Chris are Shrewsbury lads, but um, our fan base stretches across the across the country and uh, across the world now. When you look, when you look at where people listen to us from, Ollie, which is I suppose a nice place to kind of wrap up the podcast. Really, it's been um, great to be back for that first episode the other week. Um, yeah, good good amount of listens again from people all over the world. Our American listeners, particularly, we get a lot of uh, interaction from, which is great. So yeah, we'll we'll be back into the swing thing soon won't we clearly it's still the summer and i think the same thing happened last year on the podcast in ollie where i've got a bit of a holiday and i think you might have some more time off coming up so we'll fill in with guests and and people who are actually at the games uh, as we go on um and yeah we'll kind of get back into that sunday routine now won't we mate and uh, and, and you know salopcast season six will be in full swing yeah but yes the first few pods always a little bit um yeah, a bit rusty. Get us back up on the on the on the swing of things, and yeah, it's funny. I, I keep thinking that the summer was actually short for pods, but last season we did the same again, Glenn. We just did one pod, and then we did the prediction pod. So maybe this is our new normal. But um, yeah, really looking forward to the new season. Can't wait to get back into it again. Um, yeah, hopefully we sign a couple of extra players. But yeah, fingers crossed. We have a bit of fun, a bit of excitement, a bit of distraction from. Fingers crossed we can we can enjoy the season, and also for us, Glenn, it bloody helps when we win games. Um, have a bit of fun. Because it makes doing yes. the podcast a lot not, not easier. Not easy. Easier isn't the right phrase, but makes it a lot more fun. Not so sure. It, it always gives us something to talk about. I think that's the one thing we've never been lost for words following this football club for the last six years on the podcast. And but we, we keep every, every single week talking about not scoring fans. goals does get a bit boring. <laughs> yeah, Glenn loves moaning. Come off it. 
I do. It's one of my favourite things. So um, <laughs> I do like a boo. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I got to boo at the Open I went to last weekend. I booed Ian Poulter for going on the Live Tour because um, <laughs> everyone else around me was. So I thought, oh, well, I'll join in. I haven't had a boo for a few months. So it felt quite cathartic. Um, there we go. Um, but yeah, I just suppose, suppose we'll say thanks to, to having our guests on. So um, yeah, cheers, Chris. Thanks for joining us. And we'll, we'll hopefully get you on next season. It'd be good to get you on after your lad's been uh, a mascot, Chris. That's it that week because um, you can give us a little bit of the behind the scenes view as well, I suppose. So yeah, you up for that? Absolutely. Don't tell him though it's a surprise he doesn't know about it yet but yeah absolutely i'm sure he'd love to do that good stuff all right and dan we'll get you on again some some point one of the games that you you make down your way um if not beforehand if you're uh, watching on streams i don't know are, are you one of those dan you probably shouldn't out yourself here are you one of those people that's got some uh slightly erroneous dodgy way of watching shoes town streams uh, as an exile Glenn, I'm a professor of corruption analysis i can't answer that question in a public forum for goodness sake um <laughs> All I said, I've got a season ticket and uh, so have my two six-year-olds this year and we will be at the Accrington Stanley game in person. What happens after then, we'll, we will decide in due course. So, yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, done. <laughs> well done for not self-incriminating. Um, and, yeah, go on, Tom, what about you? What, uh, yeah, I suppose, we'll, well, I wouldn't see, I won't see you on opening day. You sit right in front of me. But, um, yeah, you're, you're about to have another season being completely ruined by my nonsense behind you, aren't you? And your knees in my back, yeah. Be, uh, get the, the grooves back in the back of my uh, shoulder and my backs again, yeah. No, it is. It'd be good. Get, get used to it again and uh, get back to it. No, it is nice. Actually, and we should just say, actually, as, as, a, as a group of us who are on here tonight, other than Dan, who's obviously in exile, but, you know, Ollie, myself, Tom and Chris actually all sit really close to each other. We never did for years and they're kind of all kind of congregated to the middle of Block 17 and, and with a bunch of other, you know, fans that we've got to know over the years. And I think, you know, we talk about things you look forward to, Ollie, and I'll let you kind of rock out the podcast now. Um, but we, we, we kind of talk about football, wanting to see wins, but that, that kind of um, society and that friendship and that kind of match day routine that we've all missed over the summer, getting that back is also just as important is watching live football, isn't it? And I, can't, I, you know, I can't wait to get back to my first time of the season and kind of see everybody in person again because, um, you know, you kind of kind of miss some of the people you see week in week out. So that's that's another thing to look forward to, isn't it, Ollie? And um, nice place to leave the podcast. Yeah, it is definitely. I, I really enjoy catching up with friends at the football cynics to Ian and Phil and Callum. And yeah, it's a great escape chatting to, to chatting to the lads at the football. And yeah, it's it's a it's a nice way. And it's obviously you know football's just part of the experience so yeah I'm sure everyone and um, boys girls um, everyone is really looking forward to, to getting back to the football and seeing all those all those faces again yep well let's leave it there as I said thanks to all the guys good to get a little outro from them there um, but yeah thank you all for joining us and yeah all we need now is some season ticket cards in the post and we're, we're ready to rock guys so um, yeah uh, we won't be back until after the first game of the season so enjoy that trip up to Morecambe if you're making it um, yeah we'll be back soon uh, next week with we're around after holidays and stuff to, to cover that game and hopefully the first three points. And yeah, let's get back at it, lads. And uh, yeah, catch you all next week. Oh!